0: Warning. 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 warning, 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 trigger, trigger alert.
1: alert, she about to say some real shit. <laughs> Remember Chimba Wumba? Oh yeah. <laughs> I heard I that song. got locked up. I not up. It sounded it, good. It, it was a good song. Some, it I was mean, a huge those, song.
2: Usually those kind of like oddball songs don't hold up well over time. But oh, that's I want to hear that now.
1: Chumba Wumba. You know oh, the, here we go. Rock band. Okay. Chumba Wumba. You know those guys were
2: a bunch of socialists and they split all the money between like, there was like 20 people in that band and they split all their money evenly.
1: That is so cute. Okay, so they formed in 1982 and they ended in 2012. The band constantly shifted musical style, drawing on genres such as punk punk rock, pop and folk. What a bunch of clones! Yeah. Who does that? They, I know they
2: went on for a long time, Australian.
1: Um yeah, that was the jam. And it was called Tub Thumping. Yeah, Tub Thumping.
2: <laughs>
1: it's like getting drunk. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Well, speaking about getting drunk. Oh, yeah. Okay. You want to go? The holidays are over. The holidays are over, (laughs) and it's um a very like sobering time right now, right?
2: Yeah, I feel like I'm more depressed than the holidays. Like I don't know why.
1: It it's it's also like the holidays were so like it was so like not holidays.
2: I kind of feel like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. It does. I it seemed like people weren't really like participating in the holidays as like joyous, fun things, and they were just like drudge, like ugh. Christmas, you know
2: but isn't that the way it always is yeah
1: it, it <laughs> is now that like we're adults and stuff yeah. I guess but it just seems like the the, the joy of the season is gone uh, or might something be right. yeah and um I you blame. know things ha- like as soon as it turned 2020 things shifted so fast Australia is completely on fire yeah.
2: it's depressing we're it doesn't seem
1: we're positive. G- going to war like it's just and uh There have been, like, 12 earthquakes in Puerto Rico, and one of, like, it's, like, wonders of nature is destroyed now, and, yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. It's depressing. Crazy time. Crazy
2: time. Thanks. Thanks for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, let me, like, let me cheer you up.
2: Cheer me up with a positive.
1: Because we have a great guest coming in today. I know.
2: This is really a good show.
1: So This is very heartwarming. Eamon Ismail. Did I say, <laughs> did I say that right? I'm the, I'm gonna say it the uh the Jewy Jappy, Long Island uh Eamon Ismail. Eamon, who I absolutely adore, is um this I I met him as a photographer and then he became uh more of like a journalist and now he's a like a personality. Right. Um, But Eamon, like, loves subculture. And, of course, he loves underground illegal subculture. <laughs> and documenting it. And documenting it with such and creating a passion. And creating and And creating it. Yeah. And, and, and so passionate. I mean, I don't think um, that we'll even be able to talk about, like, because there's so much to talk about. But, like, he's, like, a skateboarder and... um, He's covering the bases. He's yeah he's he's into um all things subculture, including you know, graffiti and but not like per- as a participant, more as a journalist and documentarian. Yeah. And uh, Eamon also has, you know, put a a very interesting spin on his ethnicity. And he's sort of, I guess, the most relatable, like, Muslim man in the world or something, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, to, like, like regular, like, white people or something, <laughs> right? He's the ambassador of all, like, Muslims. He'd make
2: a good ambassador. He, I mean, but I think that's, that's where what you're he's, going. That's
1: where he. that's what he's positioning. Yeah, I think he is
2: kind of positioning himself there. I think –
1: and he had this um, this this wild program mm. that was who was who's afraid of Eamon Ismail, and he where he confronts racism you know head to head, right. um, and now he is doing a podcast. Oh, Podcast, how crazy! <laughs> where he is talking about masculinity, mm. and you know in in modern times um both as a, a muslim and as a man <laughs> but it's much more complex than that right and um you know instead of me talking about it, let's let's just jump right in here
0: wow nice yeah
1: Put tortellinis in chicken soup and eat that for breakfast. <laughs> she is a whack attack. Like, late. Chicken soup for breakfast. That sounds good. It was so good. I have, <laughs> now that I've been working at home, <laughs> I make like the weirdest shit for breakfast after like my husband but, and kid leave. Mm. I'm like, ooh. It's ooh. not until
2: like you have kids that you actually started eating breakfast food. Like, Correct. Mm. I, I only nev- ate like cold pizza for fucking totally. when I was a bachelor. Totally. Or I say bachelor, even like, but just before kids. I know. Now I'm like toast and jam, <laughs>
1: whatever, dude. <laughs> Bacon. It's all good. I'd rather
3: sleep than eat in the morning.
1: Hell yeah. Mm. Ugh, me too. Well, but wait till you have a baby. If I have kiss. to be somewhere at ten
3: a.m., <laughs> I'm waking it's up at like nine
2: over. forty-five. That's it. Forget about it. Are we don't have <laughs> <laughs> kids. Are we rolling? I don't know. Are we? Are you rolling? I like mean, I'm <laughs> always rolling, honey. <laughs> 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 Yeah, um, we're on. We're on,
1: we're on. Yeah, just wait to have kids. If you like to sleep.
3: I don't know if I want kids.
1: Yeah. Believe that's what me. I said v- loudly. You you, you know Brad was totally like I'm not having kids like ever uh, like there's too reminded. many kids mm-hmm. in the world and if they, if I have to have a kid I'll adopt it yeah, so I many thought. unwanted children and then he's that's
2: like look at my perfect baby and whatever. Oh, cage. Okay. <laughs> and now I got 7.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 7. <laughs> no, t- Seems like it though. I
3: wouldn't put it past you though, Brad.
1: I'm uh, telling you, he's a uh, you know, he's a breeder. Mm. <laughs> Well, um...
3: <laughs> On that note.
1: So, okay. But well, I'm not no, let's the guest. Talk, let's just, Who's the guest no, today? No, let just talk we're, uh, <laughs> we're talk. we're talking to um, a wonderful young man. Oh, good luck <laughs> saying my name. Eamon <laughs> Ismail. Pretty close.
3: Eamon Ismail.
1: So, do you know there's another Eamon Ismail? <laughs> what? There is, but he only has one M.
3: Oh, that doesn't count.
1: How dare he? No. You're like... The fuck up off my name. I have okay? the dot
3: com. It's amen.com. So, and well, you have I the double N.
1: You have the double N. That's true. But no, no, look it up. And I was like, who is this guy? But anyway, <laughs> he was really boring. I like, um, um, and I'm gonna give a little, I guess, background on how I met you. I met you oh, cool. when you were mm-hmm. working at Animal New York.
3: Rest in peace.
1: Rest in peace. One of mm. the best, uh, websites. That ever there was, mm-hmm. um, Have to I agree. heard it's being uh, resurrected.
3: I heard too, but I don't want to get my hopes up.
1: Listen, let's get our hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Bucky, you can do
3: I it. R- I've heard it a few times that it's coming back, and it's been a few years, you know.
1: Okay, so l- let's just jump on right in. Where Where are you from, my dear?
3: I'm from New Jersey, from Newark, hey, you're New from, Jersey. G from
1: Newark, New Jersey. That's how we
3: talk out there. Yeah. Coffee.
1: Um. So, did you stick to Newark, or were you moving all around? Um. Joy's.
3: Uh, I spent my earliest years in Jersey City, where I was born. I was born in Christ Hospital, and at that time, were they
1: like, get out? <laughs> <basically>.
3: <laughs> they were. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: they were like, "What are we going to name this kid?" "Mahabat." not, you can't do that. Pick a different name. <laughs> Uh, but at that time Newark was safer than Jersey City. So my parents uh, I was the fourth one to come out. So they were like now nah, we're going to Newark where it's a little bit safer cuz okay. they can, they got it like that at that time. Okay. My dad was working a taxi cab in the city and then he got upgraded to the black limousine. And he was like, "Oh, we don't got to live in Jersey City no more." So after that we uh, we were living in the Ironbound section of Newark, New Jersey. Okay. We were still going to school in Jersey City. So I feel like As I'm seems uh, like a
1: very like that's a lot. They, yeah. didn't like they didn't want to pull you. They didn't want to pull you out of school.
3: No, no,
1: because your friends, you would freak out. They like the school system. It was one. an
3: Islam. It was like a private school, Islamic uh, school. Okay, you know? okay. okay. So, so it
1: was highly specialized. Well,
3: my parents immigrated. They were so afraid of the outside world. You know, like right. I can imagine. Like they're coming from sort of like a middle upper class type situation in mm-hmm. Egypt, and then they show up to Astoria. My dad showed up in Astoria. Right. My mom showed up to Bayonne, Jersey. Okay. And now there's like the crack epidemic. There's all this gang shit happening outside. Sure. So I can imagine this kind of panic where they don't understand the world and they want to maybe set the kids up where they're not exposed to that kind of violence. And so they immediately enrolled us in what they thought was a safer option, the Islamic school. Okay. And it was. I mean, it was pretty cool. I mean, I didn't have to worry about friends ODing because we were all just like good, proper Muslim right, kids. Right, right, right,
1: right. No gangs.
3: No gangs in the school. Right. Uh, and, but we were right next to a school. That was, like, super violent. They called it Gladiator High. It was called Linker, Lincoln High School. Did and they let
1: you out early so you could, like, escape, like, <laughs> the other kids? Because a lot, of, a lot of schools do that. Like, if they're uh, parallel to, like, a, a very, like, known violent school, mm-hmm. they'll be like, you're gone a half an hour early. Like, just get out of here. They
3: should have done that. I mean, we still got to, like, fights just because there was uh, the chicken shack on the corner. Mm. Uh, for people who know Jersey City, there's, like, this pot Avenue. It's probably the only part of Jersey City right now that hasn't been gentrified yet. right?
1: Because Jersey City, like where it's at. Yeah. It's so uh, it's, it's freaking right now. popping. I can't
3: afford to live there if I, I wanted mean,
1: to. I it is popping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, but the chicken shack is still there. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kennedy's fried chicken. And so we'd want to have to go, if we wanted to go get fries or wanted to go get a chicken sandwich, right. we'd have to squat up. We couldn't just go and... Right, go just, get chicken. We eh, need to get like five, six people there, with right. us five, six to make sandwiches. the trip. Right. <laughs> and even then, we'd still have to like fight, you know. So even though we were in this little bubble of of an Islamic school, we were studying the Quran and learning Arabic, and I was uh, one of four other Amons. you know. I still felt like I had okay that I was still, I was like normal in that way, okay. Uh, but you know, it was it was still Jersey City, and it was still like Newark, and it was still the nineties.
1: So. You're going to sc- you're going to um a Muslim school. Yes. You're living in a non-Muslim neighborhood or are you living in a mixed neighborhood?
3: Yeah, it was like an immigrant neighborhood. An immigrant it still neighborhood. Still is, yeah, in the Iron And bomb.
1: did you have other friends that were outside of your school And you yet, just kind no. of like stuck it wasn't like there was like a neighborhood like, you know kids that you were, like, palling around with.
3: Not really. Like, the my routine at that time was waking up, my dad would drive us in the limousine, the, the black limo, oh, yeah. to the school, then continue the trip up to, to uh-huh. New York City where he okay. would work. And uh, my mom would come with us, because she was a teacher. The only way she could we could afford the tuition at that time for four kids was if she would work there, too. Of course. Uh, and
1: Parents really make the ultimate really sacrifice. Did. They really... She's still a teacher. She's thinking blessings. about retiring,
3: finally. But like she did all that for us. Yeah. And we were brats about it, you know? Of course you were. We were yeah, but... Um, American children. They, they didn't <laughs> let us like, go pigs. to the park. You know? <laughs> uh, we lived across the street from a park, and okay. we weren't allowed to go because our parents were so afraid of us getting hurt or getting involved in some kind of street violence situation.
1: Do you think that there was a part of it that was also they were scared of like uh, assimilation in some way?
3: Mm, You think? Maybe. I mean, I think in their heads, they thought to protect us from the outside world that they saw... That they they needed to stick with their kind and I guess but I think they, people yeah. real
1: that that is really human that. human yeah. nature that people do want to be mm-hmm. with their kind they feel more comfortable they feel safer yeah. uh, it's in every different yeah, of course you it's know natural. But, yeah but, it's but like assimilation a, you know, is
3: unavoidable though you can't you can't keep your kids from being American no matter what you try. You know? I mean,
1: it's very difficult. Yeah. Everybody wants to be American, yeah. basically, yeah. everywhere in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And more specifically, they want to be, like, from the tri-state area. <laughs> <laughs> so not only do they want to be American, but they want to be, like, uh, East Coasters, yeah. Yeah. you know?
3: Um, but that's what they came for. They, they came for the American dream.
1: Let me tell you my, qu- my quick Newark story. Okay. What an idiot I oh, am. Oh, I'm, I'm dying to hear this. <laughs> My parents uh, went away to, like, Europe when Newark Airport, like, first opened up when I was in, like, high school. It wasn't, like, the first it opened up. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of, like, a novel thing that they were flying out of Newark. And they, like, let me stay home by myself. And it, like, didn't have my grandmother at the house. And, like, it was, like, a big deal. And they were, like, just pick us up (laughs) at Newark Airport, Mm -hmm. whatever, at this time and, you know, at this gate or whatever. So I was driving there. And, oh, they didn't go to Europe. They went to San Francisco. So hmm. I'm driving to Newark and I see the airport sign and it says, Newark International Airport. And I'm like, oh, I don't need that one. They're they're flying in from San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> so I pass it. And then I'm like, I am such an idiot. <laughs> oh, no.
3: That
1: was the airport, dumbass. Like, So I turned off on some mm-hmm. exit. And then I'm like deep in newer. Yeah. And I'm just driving around and this is like before cell phones. This is like the eighties. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maps. Like I didn't have that. Like so I'm like driving and I see this old guy and I roll down my window. I was like, I got lost. Where's the airport? And he's like, Okay do a U-turn, close your window, lock your doors, and do not stop at any light and just go all the way down for two miles and then, like, hook a right, like, or something. Like, when you see the big intersection, he's like, I don't care. <laughs> the cop tries to stop you. You just step on that gas and you get out of here. And I was like, oh, my God, i <laughs> yeah. so That's what I remember, like, Newark in the 80s, like, I, like – the guy who was, like, living there, just chilling on the street, he was like, oh, hell no, no, no. You can't be in this neighborhood, you little idiot. Get out of here. <laughs> oh,
3: that's perfect. Yeah. That's such a New York story. And it
1: is such a... An-
3: <laughs> I feel like so I know like, where you turned off to. It probably ended up on, like, Friddle Avenue. I
1: mean, he was like, do not stop. I don't care if the light's red. If a cop's mm-hmm. after you, just go. Yeah. And I was like... Mm-hmm. And then I picked up my parents. I was like, everything's fine. Hi. <laughs> 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 Okay, so oh, God, I love you're it. you're you're very sheltered in in a way, but yet not sheltered, right? Kind of having to like navigate your your own yeah, right yeah. course. Then, um,
0: and then how it, did you choose happens. like college
1: yeah. and what you wanted to study, and mm. like, and then basically like how did that lead you to photography? Mm. Which let's let's talk about that.
3: Alright, uh, an important part of the story is... I mean, for every Muslim kid, it's got to be like 9-11, unfortunately. But I was well, going for, to that...
1: for everyone. Yeah. In New York or the tri-state area, I think 9-11 is How the even? most... I was but 11. But I can't even... You're all, you were 11.
3: I was 11 on 9-11. Wow. September 11th.
1: That's your birthday.
3: Yep. Ooh. Uh, Conspiracy Nora, I wasn't, theories. Yeah, yeah, I was 11. I was 11. <laughs> I, was born, well, I was born in 89, barely made it to the 80s. Wow. But... uh. Yeah, this is what happened. So uh, at that point, so there was like two Islamic schools in, in the area that were, it was like the elementary school and the high school. And I had just started going to the high school and the high school is in Teaneck, New Jersey. So it's like right up against the river. So okay. you can, you're right there. And then that morning, I remember it was like super early. It was like first period. Uh, it was a regu- regular, regular day. But then we started hearing like s- slight pelting sounds on the window and we were like, what the hell's going on? We look out and there's a whole crowd. And they're throwing rocks at the school, and uh, we were like, "What the hell is going on?" We we at this point we didn't know anything.
1: So what what time do you think this is in the morning? Like nine, like nine. ten? Okay, yeah. nine because it started at eight. All this yeah. stuff Or like yeah. quarter to eight or something like that. Okay. It was like
3: right after, right? And we're in class. This so is before who cell phones. is Nobody throwing knows what's rocks at you?
1: Adults that aren't in school? Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> it a was a bunch like a mix of, of like
3: kids and adults. And, okay. Uh yeah, and it was like in a nicer neighborhood. This wasn't in Jersey City. This is in Tynik. And this is like sort of like the suburbs, okay. as far as I was concerned. So they knew that we were out there and they knew that this was an Islamic school. And all they knew was that the United States was under attack by Muslims. Okay. Right. So then the the announcer got on the intercom and was like, all right, we're evacuating the school. But every, nobody go to the front. Everybody go to like the back where the buses are. They loaded us up, took us to Jersey City so our parents can like come pick us up. And then it wasn't until we got on the highway, the, the skyway, the Pulaski Skyway in, in Jersey where I turn around and I see just like wherever the Twin Towers are supposed to be, huge pillar of smoke. And then you can like smell the fire. And that's like how like we all knew what was going down. Right. I turn on the radio. It's like, oh, shit, they're blaming the Muslims. Oh, they're I think they blamed the Palestinians first. And then they went down the pecking order, you know. Right. So for us, we're like, oh, shit, we were like strongly identified as Muslims. So we felt like we knew right away things were going to be changed. Right. And at that point, they, I think they let the parents know that they weren't going to be opening the schools up for a few months. Holy shit. So then they were like, well, we don't want our kids to miss out. So we're just going to withdraw them and send them to public school. Right. And that's how that transition happened for me. Okay. So imagine September 11th just happened. It's like September 15th. And then there's a new kid starting in the school, and it's this kid named Eamon Muhammad Ismail. So
1: you're basically like a week or two late to for the beginning of school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: And then it's like, but it's like awkward enough where you're not starting the school, everyone yeah. else, and now everyone's curious. Right. About everyone's who this kid looking is. At you
1: and the new kid. Yeah. Right? Okay.
3: And it was the school down the block from where we lived, but still, we, they were like, "Who is this stranger? We've never seen him before." Did you okay. know
1: any
2: kids there?
3: Not one. Not one. Not one
1: from the neighborhood. No. Nah. You're like, so, who like, wants to go get a chicken sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: so yeah, that's how that's how that started. And then I was expecting, I was anticipating all this like bigotry and hate. But like one kid turned to me and was like, oh, where are you from? I was like, oh, I'm Egypt. I'm Muslim. They're like, oh, that's so cool. Oh, like Aladdin. <laughs> and I was like, "Hell yeah!" Like Aladdin. Oh, I don't want you to think the other thing. <laughs> and I just embraced it, and then that was it. Like everybody just sort of thought so I was that, normal.
1: So that isn't that a nice thing? Yeah, I mean, or-
3: th- that's the lucky thing about going to school in Newark. A lot of the stories that like mine, people ended up going to school in the suburbs, where there was a clear majority. Sure. And if you were of, part of, of that out group, you were right, vulnerable. Right. But in Newark, everybody was from somewhere. Right. You know, especially in that immigrant community, it was like, oh. I'm from Egypt. Oh, cool. I'm from Venezuela. Oh, cool. I'm from Ecuador. Oh, cool. I'm from Brazil. Everybody was from somewhere. So nobody really felt like they kept, they had that chip on their shoulder where they can start making somebody else feel weird or being different. Right. It was more like, oh, cool. Tell me about your culture.
1: So were you a very um, serious student?
3: Mm, like, was I smart?
1: Well, I know you're smart. Yeah, I was pretty smart. But were you, were you, <laughs> were you performing as a student? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah, so. Yeah.
3: I mean, um, coming from that private school, going to the public school in Newark was like...
1: You're like, Phew, this is nothing. This is nothing. No, I'm serious. <laughs> you're like, like oh, I'll do my homework in 20 minutes. <laughs> <that.">
3: <laughs> and it's no Public Schools. And, and people don't believe this when I tell them that, but like, we were lucky if all of our teachers showed up to class that day. Wow. You know, especially when we got to high school. It was it was the type of situation I'm sure you're familiar in like New York they had the same thing with like the metal detectors on the doors. Right. They they'd search you before you walk yeah, in and they so lock you like in. Like
1: inner city yeah. like yeah. violent like yeah. So
3: I'd like see teachers in the middle of the day but then like when it came to seventh period they wouldn't show. No substitute, no nothing. They would just not care. But you're inside the school so you you kind of have to show up. So then you end up doing whatever and that's when I got involved for the first time with computer stuff cuz I'd get bored. In these classes doing nothing. So I would just go to the art room. Uh, shouts out doc, uh, Mr. Tehran, Mr. T, who had a donated Mac computer in the back and he would just let us play on it all day. So I'd show up for like first period. By fourth period I'd get bored. Go to lunch maybe and spend the rest of the day just in the back of the art room playing with Garage Band or playing so with Final Cut. this is middle school now, right? This is uh, high school, yeah. Oh, high school, right. Which was perfect. I think that was like the best place for me to be because it gave it gave me the sense of purpose i felt like i i had control over right so you of were like own. making
1: assignments for yourself exactly right right, right. yeah and so cool. now, now do you have a new mixed group of friends that are all and are you bringing them to your house your parents meeting them
3: yeah yeah i think at a certain point they were they, they just kind of gave in they just acknowledged and accepted like, the fact that we're they here. were like yo like what are we going to do exactly right and they knew that the my friends were like good kids right You know, um, so we'd have like birthday parties that come over. We do like group assignments, group projects at this point though, it was like still like no girls, but everything else was cool. Okay. Yeah. My parents, like I I gave my parents a hard time because at that time I was like, yo, stop being ignorant. Like people are different. It's a good thing. But honestly, I think I don't give them enough credit for being able to raise us and protect us in that environment where it was so dangerous. Right. You know, it's like Newark and Jersey City in the 90s, but still all of their kids came out to be fine. Like, I was the last of four. The top three were all valedictorians. You know, my sister got into Harvard University, well, graduated from the same high school I went you to. to you to
1: public school. Look at you. You know what I mean? <laughs>
3: so, like, I give them credit. Like, they did a great job. They yes, really did and a great I, job.
1: Uh, I um, read all about your sister, and she's a doctor. She's a gangster. <laughs> yeah. He's a lawyer
3: doctor, for real.
1: Let's hear for Mama Ismail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so you're fucking around on the computer, and what's like informing your like college choice?
3: Mm. Uh, at that point, I knew I wanted to be a storyteller. Uh i spent so much time being the Muslim ambassador, that one Muslim kid, to explain everything for everyone. Answering right, but, questions. You, but
1: you felt very disconnected from your, the religion, right? Because that's what I was like – well, I did tons mm. of research on you today.
3: Oh,
0: cool. What would you find? <laughs> and
1: um, it said that you were like – you were really disconnected and you didn't want to be this like sort of the the diplomat of mm. your people. And then later you felt like that was a good thing. You sort of changed your mind and you were like, I am going to represent mm-hmm. Muslims in america because who else could do it you know better yeah, yeah right
3: that wasn't i mean when i was thinking about what i wanted to do when i was out that's not what i was expecting to do i didn't want to be the muslim tv guy
1: well let, i wanted but, to just but, like make films but let, and make movies. right let's let's go back right before you're the you know now mm. the way you're perceived and i'm 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 Trying to even dial back ten years ago when I met you mm-hmm. and you were documenting and and uh, photographing various illegal subcultures mm. and the more illegal the more you loved it right but <laughs> let's dial back but let's dial back the... even further than okay. that so yeah, you yeah, go yeah. to college for what like what do you for
3: art for visual arts for
1: visual arts and what the fuck does that yo you mean?
3: you won't even believe this but I got scammed at college
1: I so, mean it's a scam.
2: It is
3: a scam. <laughs> no. I got I got into the film program.
1: Okay. That's what, what I was supposed school to do. Are we talking about
3: Rutgers University.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. He's all jersey all day. Guess I guess so. I was the fucking <laughs> shirt.
3: Read
0: it.
1: Ah, well yeah. It is though. It Says
2: Newark is for hustlers. Um. Yeah,
1: yeah it is. <laughs>
3: it's Made it is. by Newark residents. Support the local crews. Yes. Uh, yeah, so this is how I got scanned. This is this actually really pisses me off. I got accepted into a film program because up until that point, I'd been fucking with the computers in the art room.
1: Okay, but are, do you have a camera? Are you making? No, I was, vid- okay. I was borrowing
3: all this stuff, so and even bo- with the computer, I didn't have a laptop, so I was just using okay. all of my time in high school to make all this stuff and okay. made a portfolio, submitted it, and got accepted. And I was like, I'm going to go to film school and actually make films for a living and tell all these cool stories, o- all different kinds of stories, not my story, mm-hmm. right? But then the first day, we show up, and they're like, oh, by the way, we don't have a film program anymore. The first fucking day. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was (laughs) so mad.
2: You get accepted for film, and they don't have a film program. And
3: they were like, look, you got two options. Either you can just do a different major in this Mm -hmm. art program, or you can wait till next semester and apply all over again. And I was like, well, fuck that. Like, we're not getting any refund, so I'm just gonna...
1: You're like, I'm a painter.
3: Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's basically what I decided. <laughs> I was like, you know what? When I when I graduate, I'm gonna do film. What's gonna help me do film? Color. So I, I studied color. Right. And that was like a visual arts and concentration in color and and video art.
1: Okay. Right? What do you learn? What What's there to learn about color? Like the the emotionality of color. Yeah,
3: yeah. They just make you write a bunch of papers about like the color red. You know, it's like it, okay. it teaches you how to bullshit <laughs> you know what i mean how to like some come up it's with true, answers though.
1: some of it's true right orange and like rust colors make you hungry that's why like all the fast food restaurants used to be yeah. in those colors yeah. and like there's psychology there is psychology in color, there is psychology yeah. In color. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i have not mastered it in mm-hmm. my work <laughs> <laughs> from the fashion design yeah. you know mm. a lot of orange in my uh in my life <laughs> <As> you, <think. laughs> you, you know, you
2: reminded me of a quote. There was a filmmaker who said, uh, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't totally. He basically, somebody was asking him about film school, like if they should go to film school. And this mm-hmm. is a guy like from the 60s or something. You know, I think he was a documentary filmmaker. He goes, mm. film school? That's ridiculous. Why would you go to school for film? You should go to life for film. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously this isn't a technical filmmaker, it's learning how to do like editing or whatever. Right. He mm-hmm. was kind of more about the big picture.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean it's true. It's there you true. Go. I mean when you're when you're you like shooting, you're really selling an experience. You're not necessarily Okay, like, so
1: so now you're color theory and then you're gonna switch back to film the following semester.
3: Yeah, but it, they never brought it back.
1: They never brought it back. So you stayed I stayed
3: in a, I stayed and I was like, you know what? What's probably better than a degree in film is experience in film. So I rolled. I, I like was working with like the Rutgers University Television Program. Got fired because I didn't want to do things specifically in their way because I was figuring out all these shortcuts and they didn't like that.
2: It's like Common uh, Core. Yeah, teachers don't like shortcuts. They right. sh-
3: they sucked. So then I took my portfolio at that time that I was still building uh, to the the daily newspaper that was sort of independent but operating on campus called the Daily Targum. And uh, I was like, yo, you guys need like a video desk. Like NJ.com has one. How come the Daily Targum doesn't have one? And they were like, oh, good enough. Cool. Here's uh, $500 for a budget. Go get a camera and and make some videos. And okay. so at that point, I, every single day I was you putting like, something You were like
1: the entree into the inner internet Basically. age, right? Okay.
3: Okay. Which was cool because then I, had, I like didn't really have a boss. Nobody really knew what to expect or what videos were supposed to look like so I could just do whatever the hell I wanted right? and then they'd, they'd send me a check They're like
1: oh no film professor <laughs> <laughs> and it ended
3: up working out great because when I was applying for internships and jobs they were like oh great this guy's already had all this experience in film He's already he already is a journalist he well doesn't... that's
1: what I was going to say yeah. we Didn't like you didn't think about maybe switching to journalism because really that's uh, as much as you're a storyteller you're also like a journalist yeah. Right.
3: So I I like learned all of it by just doing, doing it. Right. Which was probably better. You went to
1: life
2: for film. Exactly. Right. <laughs> School of hard knocks, you know, you heard of it?
3: <laughs> so yeah, it all kind of like worked out perfectly in its own little way. And then when I was applying for uh, for internships, I got one at MTV at Viacom. Okay, uh, it was on un- one of those unpaid internships before they started paying people for that.
1: Oh, that's the only time of internship that I did. <laughs> yeah, come on down. Ed, looking for people for uh, summer twenty twenty. <laughs> 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 it was
3: cool. I mean, that's when I got first I got exposed to like After Effects and graphics and turning okay. shit around quick. Right. And then from there, I got a, a like I met someone who introduced me to somebody who needed a video editor for. For, for, uh, and they're called Chapter Media It was like an advertising agency okay. They did like quick commercials and TV spots And so at this point I'm a senior in college And I've already got like a legit so much Advertising experience. job on my resume Right, right. And so at that point I was like alright well that's the next move I, I gotta get into advertising And so when I heard about the animal job that, That's what I was like So
1: how did you hear about the animal job?
3: Do you remember this kid named uh, Joseph? Joseph uh, Schulhoff No. I knew him in college. He was also one of those kids who worked at the television program. Okay. So I had a relationship with him then. So he was already working at Mother. I think he had a job there because his sister worked there. And Mother owned Animal at that time.
1: But weren't you at Animal before the Mother?
3: Exactly. So I was like, I'm going to work at Animal as a way to get to Mother. Mother,
1: I see. Right? right? Cuz
3: I like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do high quality, good looking shit. I wanted it to look colorful. I wanted it to look so high quality. So what was
1: your job at Animal New York? You would just get an assignment and you just be, he'd be like go yeah. film these <laughs> motherfuckers uh spray painting.
3: Pretty or... much. It was the best job I ever had. Oh my god. I would do anything to go back.
1: I mean, me too. Those were great <laughs> times. Those were good times, Yo, you Working
3: know? at Animal was fucking amazing. Bucky would just on a whim be like, oh shit, you know what would be funny? Try that. And that would, that would be like what I did for the day. Uh, he had one idea that was like, oh yeah, so people look really stupid when they're running to catch a train and then it closes last minute. Why don't you just go sc- go spend the day on like 14th Street platform. And
1: watching people like missing the train and yeah. like. And and he's government. like, make that
3: into a video. I'm like, hell yeah. Oh yeah,
1: that's <laughs> a good one. That's and then, a good
3: one. Uh, Delancey Essex, I think they just made it, a, they put up a sign saying you can't make a left turn here. Like uh, this was like back in 2013 or f- 12. Yeah, or whatever. I remember
1: they went on a huge no left turn thing. Well, the yeah. bridge traffic was so fucked up. Yeah. Still. Yeah, is. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So where, when they put that sign up, he was like, I guarantee you nobody's gonna be following that, that rule. Just stand on the corner and see how many people you can catch making that left turn anyway. And then I did, and that was like another video. Like It was the most fun I ever had. It was like this childish, child-minded, grown man who had a budget and who could pay me to just go and experiment and play and run around New York City and see what the fuck I can capture.
1: I feel like, it you know, so that fun. was the beauty of Animal was that it like didn't follow a formula and that the, it was so you know, on a whim or mm-hmm. in, in you know, inspiration based. It was, yeah. it was cool. Um, what was your biggest story for Animal?
3: Ooh, um, this is, this is pretty epic. The biggest story I ever did at Animal was when I got jumped and pseudo kidnapped by the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt.
1: That picture you gave That me. picture
3: I took. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Eamon gifted me with this photo. Oh, yeah, back in the day. Uh, yeah. Of these guys, are they holding spray paint? Yeah. Are they? Did they remove the spray paint from whoever had was or would? Did no, they have spray they paint? They
3: were tagging.
1: They were tagging. They were going
3: crazy. They were bombing the whole city.
1: And they were. And what was? Tell me. Give us background okay. on what was happening.
3: <clears throat> not to not to get too political, but in Egypt during the time it was like in the middle of the Arab Spring. But at this point, uh, they had already had the revolution. The The dictator Mubarak was already ousted. And they had this f- fair, free elections. And then I think the wrong guys won. It was like the Muslim Brotherhood, the ultra-conservative, right, right, right. Uh, like religious Islamist group won. Uh, yeah, so people were like kind of freaking out. And then the government, who was supporting the military dictatorship... The military government decided, okay, well, you guys had your two weeks governing. People are clearly upset. We're going to step in and take power back. This election doesn't count. And so now it's like, oh, well, we had democracy, but we protested. So now we don't have democracy. We're back to the military dictatorship. So all these people who supported the, milit- the, the Muslim Brotherhood were all out in the street protesting in support of what they thought was democracy and having a free and fair election. And so I was visiting Egypt during, like in the middle of this whole conflict. And for to see for family a wedding, or for, a wedding, yeah. for okay. My, my cousin on my dad's side okay. was getting married. Okay. And I was staying in what they call Wust al Balad, which just means like the middle of the city. And I hear like this loud chanting and I look out over the balcony and there's just probably three, 4,000 people all marching. And I'm like, I have my camera on me. At this point, I'm like peak animal where every time I take a cool picture, it makes what, what Bucky called the parting shot would be like the last banner image that would go on the website before before we close for the day. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to see if I can go get a cool parting shot. So I run down, grab nothing but my, my, my mom's cell phone, I, her burner phone, and a camera. I didn't tell anybody where I was going. I knew if I asked for permission, they'd say no. Right, of course. So I'm just like taking all these pictures. I speak enough Arabic to go to get by thanks to all that islamic school training and uh like i'm talking to people i'm like introducing myself so that they they feel comfortable so they're posing they're smiling throwing out peace signs there's like this huge truck with giant speakers i asked the guy if i can get up so i can get a better shot guy pulls me up i'm getting all these cool pictures but from my vantage point i notice all these young guys with spray paint running around tagging and I'm like, yo, this is like the crossroads of my whole world. <laughs> it's got Egypt. It's got Muslims. It's got democracy. It's got graffiti. It's got everything. Right. I'm going to go and like see if I can go take pictures of these guys. So I run down. And I talk to like one of the younger guys. I'm like, yo, I'm just here taking pictures. You mind if I take a picture of you? The guy turns around and says in Arabic, I'm not scared of anything. Take my picture. And he starts tagging, tagging, tagging. He, he stops the tram, one of those like above ground trains. And just tags on the wind like straight up on the window. That's gangster. Uh, CC. And then like the, the guy in the tram's honking, giving the thumbs up. It's like this jubilant motion, uh, <laughs> like emotional moment. I'm like, this is sick. Like, I love this. I'm following along. I'm running around with these guys. And then I see one of the older guys with like red spray paint. And this is a Christian neighborhood. He goes up to the church. One of the older churches in, in Cairo. And Cairo's an ancient city. He writes on the door of St. Fatima's church. Uh, which is, like, the neighborhood's called St. Fatima. He writes on the church door, Islamic country, or Islameya. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking this picture. I'm just, like, in that that motion. The guy turns around. He screams, that, but so what in the, Like, oh, you're taking my picture? And then he lunges at me and tries to, like, spray paint my camera and spray paint my face. And right then I'm, like, snapping, I'm snapping. I don't really know what the fuck is going on. Is that
1: guy's face in the photo that you gave me? Yeah. he's about to kill you. He's
3: yeah, he tried he's, to.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? he's coming, coming for you next.
3: This guy's like way bigger than me. Way bigger than I me. mean, he's a, he's a big he, man. He he puts me in a headlock. I have my uh, my camera like the football position where I have both my <laughs> arms protecting it, not letting this guy grab it. And then, you know, it's digital. it's a digital digital camera. It's not
1: right. It's not like you could grab the film out of it.
3: No, and it's like my camera. I'm not going to let you, I'm from Newark, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the dude tries to like grab my camera. I'm like holding it back. I'm struggling. Dude is really trying, like really squeezing on my neck. Obviously, it's like in the middle of this like heightened protest. You know, I can imagine what it looks like for other people.
1: Well, what did it look like to other people? Was it just like you were just a Mm -hmm. casualty or they were like freaking out like he's going to kill this guy?
3: I think they were they were probably thinking that the guy that they know was in the right oh. and that there's this kid with the camera
1: right, like, who we don't know right. who might and be secret like, police, could right. be
3: working for the military, could be, like, there's all these, like, fucked up problems in Egypt, one of them being the secret police where they just bag you in the middle of the night. You're gone forever. So that's just, like, one of the things that they're worried about, that they're aware that they're protesting against the government. So it's, like, this heightened tension moment. So all the next thing I'm experiencing is all these hands coming and slapping me over and like attacking me, hitting me, mm-hmm. and I'm just like curled, you know. Uh, I'm like aware that I'm getting jumped, and earlier uh, during this trip, I think a previous trip in Egypt, I've se- I'd seen what happens when you end up on the bottom of one of these piles. Yeah, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. They they they, they kill you out yeah. there. So I'm like really trying to stay on my feet, trying to keep my head tucked, trying to keep my camera safe, and then the dude is just like delete the pictures delete the pictures i'm like fine don't kill me over this shit so i show him i cycle one delete two delete three delete four delete and he's satisfied and he like kind of walks away but i'm still like in the middle of the skirmish people are still like kind of being violent still freaking out and then i hear one dude from like three rows back or wherever wherever that voice came from oh he moved the pictures onto the camera
1: did you it's impossible. You can't. You can't
3: move. There's okay. no like memory card inside the camera like, besides the memory card.
1: I didn't empty the card. trash. Okay, I might have deleted it. <laughs> it's some bullshit. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. So then it's like, that's it. Like the guy like isn't gonna stop it till he gets my camera. Eventually he he. I don't know if anybody here has been headbutt before, but he grabs me from like the the collar and goes bam, like, right on my my nose, <gasps> and that shit hurt. Ooh, it hurt, and I, yeah. I, he gets the camera and i he was like a pro about it like he unscrewed the lens gave the lens to one guy kept the body in his pocket gave the memory cards to somebody else and at this point they finally let go and i'm like yo i want my camera back <laughs> so i just keep chasing after them and i'm like yo how do, I make? How do I make? i'm screaming just like thief 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 and eventually eventually people catch on that this guy took my thing uh and then like women get involved and then he starts yelling at the women and then it becomes like this clash because all more women come cause they see this guy yelling at a woman. So then it becomes like overwhelming for this guy. So he starts to like right. you know, retreat at that point. I think he notices that my Arabic is a little off. So then he comes back and he's like, yo, where, where are you, where from? you, where are you from? And I'm like, Oh, uh, mm, from Cairo. And he's like, you don't sound like you're from Cairo. And then he starts thinking that I'm a spy. He calls me a gasus, which means it's Arabic for spy. And then he doesn't let me go. At this point now, he has like my arm and he's like, we're going to find out who you are. And I'm like, fuck, these guys are going to fucking kill me. So I, I took that phone in my pocket, call, the redial. Uh, my mom picks up. So I'm like, mom, mom, these guys, they won't let me go. They took my camera. My mom says the most gangster shit I've ever heard in my life. She's like... <laughs> Put him on the phone. <laughs> so like, so this guy who won't let me go, who I I feel is like kidnapping me because he wants to like interrogate me, whatever the fuck right, he's gonna do. Right? He's doing. like,
1: who is this guy? Yeah, he's the ops. I'm
3: like, here, man. My mom wants to talk to you. And he, and the look on his face is like, what the fuck? <laughs> he knows he's in trouble because, like, I don't know and if you guys the know that women about, like, were yelling
1: at him now. Yeah, now, right. Mom wants to talk to him. For, the yeah, the no.
3: hierarchy in Egypt is this, right? You got like the plebs, the military, and then the moms.
1: Right. You know, nobody
3: fucks with the moms. <laughs> right. 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 So then he gets on the phone. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'll treat him like he's my son. I'll treat him like he's my son. Like anything to calm her down. The one thing I heard her say was. I'm gonna scratch your skin off with my nails and then eat them or something like that. <laughs> like some crazy shit, wow. you know? Like I'm like full-on <laughs> like shit. bear like mama cub type.
2: Oh uh, man, Mama Grizzly. <laughs> <am. laughs> yeah.
1: Yes.
3: Uh so at this point, I see my sister running. She's got her hijab flailing in the wind. In the wind, you know. And then uh she she eventually catches up with us, starts screaming in English. I'm like, yo, what
1: are you doing? Like, this is not, not You're Blowing a good up like. the spot. <laughs> oh, my God. Long
3: story short, long story short. She she thinks of someone we can call who's in our family that's connected with the Muslim Brotherhood. Gets on the phone with the guy. Guy's like, oh, how come you didn't tell me you were so and so's cousin? Right. Gives me everything back. I go home. I get the memory recovery software running. OK. Recover the pictures, publish it. Guy <laughs> goes to jail for defacing a church.
0: Oh wow. shit! <laughs>
3: I, I made sure to to publish the photos way after, but it got published on Animal, which was pretty cool. It was like a big, big day for the website. How
1: did it get back to the to them? You know what I mean? It Who's... went viral. It the went viral. The photos went everywhere. Right. Uh,
3: the Fox News type loved it because it was like, oh, look at this evidence of the Muslim Brotherhood being right, right grizzly. Right. Other people liked it because it was just like a, a photo that kind of showed right. the tension, right, right. Um, right. You know, so. It was it was everywhere. I think uh, I mean not that this matters, but Huffington Post picked it as like one of the top photos of the year. So it was like it was it was a good moment for me. I felt good about it. But but then I started seeing it on Facebook, like Egyptian Facebook, like circling people's faces, being like, "Oh, oh. this is the guy who's responsible for such and such crime." It's like you don't know that you're
1: like stop snatching stuff. Stop but it was it like right it now. was everywhere. Right, right. Wow, uh, that's that's wild.
3: Only publishable at a place like Animal. You know, like everywhere else, it'd be like, well,
1: yeah, I don't know how they would contextualize the story, like, you know, and um, did you write an accompanying piece?
3: Yeah, yeah, it was cool.
1: So when did it shift from uh, photography and, you know, documenting on film mm. to then like writing and reporting
3: oh cool because that's yeah.
1: right that was like a big transition
3: yeah yeah he's like i'm that- not
1: hiring anyone else you gotta <laughs> write this shit too
3: <laughs> that was that was the first day at animal oh i fucking love bucky for all this you know. i mean I owe blessings him so much. really
1: blessings to bucky he, he
3: really was just like yo Try this. Like, who cares?
1: I know, and I'm I'm going to speak for Bucky that, mm. you know, he is so proud of you mm. and, like, feels so happy that he had, like, even None of this a little, been possible without a him, little input into your career. Like, I, he's very, very proud.
3: Yeah. Oh, man. Can I say something else about Bucky that's, like, really funny? Like, it really illustrates how much I love this guy. First day I walk in, he goes, like, oh, shit, let's have a wager on how long it takes this guy to blow the place up. Like, something like that. He's that just anywhere right. nobody else would be able to pull out that joke. I thought that shit was so funny. Because he does it was because he
1: like can say sort of things that would seem racist, but he's so not racist. Yeah. that it, it becomes because
3: he really like loves you. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and he really like yeah. believes in you. Yes. So it's just like yeah. Shout out to Bucky. Shout man.
1: out to Bucky. Yes. So so you tr- so you had to write accompanying. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah 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 right 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 oh so first day first day I'm like explaining parts of like my history. I'm meeting all these new staffers. Uh, one of the the best writers I ever met at this time worked at animal. Her name was Marina Galparina, you know, Marina, she's like a tiny little Russian girl. Who's like a beast of a writer.
1: I don't know her.
3: So we're like talking and then like the story of nine 11 comes up. I start explaining like what that, that real experience was like for me. Uh, specifically what happened the year after when like the Patriot act was full swing. Uh, I think it was like September 12th, 2002, like the year after, we had FBI break our door and show up inside of our home at like four o'clock in the morning. Machine guns drawn, you know?
0: Shut up!
3: Dead serious. So serious. And every Muslim we talk to in the tri-state area has a story like this. Wow. We we all went through this, you know, where like a moment where we were like, yo, we're actually not full citizens. But like this happened and I was explaining the story to her and I was like, yo, this is actually so normal. And she was like, well, you should write about that because that's not normal for me. And so that was like my that's first not, time. No,
1: I don't think that's not normal for most people, but I think yeah. it's going to become very normal in America. Yeah. With. Um, but I'm with, 12
3: years old. Like, right. I don't know what so is what, and what isn't. What, so. So I got to write that piece for Animal and it was like my first
1: time I so felt confident in writing. Was your family screaming and yelling? Like no, you, no, were just you can't. Like, you're just like, hey, like. What's up? And no. then they're like searching your house. Oh my god!
3: Imagine what it would have been like if my mom actually f- lost her cool,
1: right? Like at and that fucking point, ripped their face off and ate her fingernails, or, or <laughs> yeah? A, a, like shoot
3: her, shoot, you they know? Would like fucking that's a real. That's a real fucking threat. Seconds. That's a real threat. I mean, these are like FBI people with machine guns. They're not like pistols. So I can imagine the horror in my mom's eyes, being like, "Well, we have nothing to hide. Come look. Come look at we have. We're like a normal ass family, right? You know." Uh, so she was showing them around, to, like opening drawers for them, showing her, showing them papers. Right, like
1: I have nothing to hide.
3: Because, like, what happens if you freak out? What happens if you show your rage? Mm. You get shot. You, you die. Do, you do. You don't really get to see justice. You stop believing in justice when so, you're like that kind of person in the so country. So
1: after that, was that the first and only? Were there uh, other ones afterwards? Or
3: yeah, that was the first and only for for when they came in the house. But like we. In our community, knew a lot of other like horrible stories. Like, there was a neighbor who lived right behind us who was the only other Muslim. Or
1: can you be like, the get block. the fuck out of my fucking house, man? My kids <laughs> are sleeping. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. And you also, know what I mean? They're
3: like immigrants, so they're being taken advantage of. of they don't course, really know what their rights are. They, they don't know course. that they can't be like, oh, let me see a warrant. Right. Right? Yeah. I know that as an adult, but like, how am yeah. I gonna expect my mom to know that? Right. But there were worse stories, you know, like kids went to jail. Uh, I know this one kid who was like really, really cool who we were, like, friends with and we were, like, chill with a lot, who I think at one point he, we were, like, all at a protest together and we saw him get carted away. Cop was like, yeah, he tried to buy a gun off of us. And I can imagine the whole scenario, like, the cop showing up to him with a gun being like, hey, touch this. Boom, got the prints on it. Cool, you're going to jail. And that's it. You know, it's like all these things happen in our community that...
1: Filthy. Yeah. Filthy It, it really animals. felt like they
3: were just, like, trying to extort us, which, and I think they, they succeeded. Yeah. And uh, the the bond between, because at that point, m- like that, our relationship was tattered. Like Muslims couldn't believe in law enforcement anymore.
1: How could you? I mean, you're they're traitors to you and traitors mm. to your uh, citizenship here. You Ugh, know,
3: I, I could talk about NYPD all day, all day. Uh, first time I got ar- arrested, arrested, arrested was because I climbed a bridge for animal, and th- so like,
1: man, you did it all for animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: mean, I did it for the picture, you know what I mean? Right. But, uh, yeah, so I could talk about this because the case is closed. Oh,
1: know? yeah? All right, let's hear it. Uh,
3: Exclusive.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yo, so uh, this is like peak urban explorer right. culture. Right, urbex, urbex. Urbex was trending right. off the top, you know?
1: But it was the beginning, right? Like, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, it, it was Before, it was like a thing. Mm-hmm. When people just did it, they didn't talk about this was it. This
3: is before people were putting their like feet in the pictures. Right. You know what I mean? hmm So, yeah, this was crazy. Like, uh, Bucky introduced me to this one kid that had been climbing bridges like crazy. And he was like, yo, Amon, do you want to do, do a story about this guy? I was like, hell yes. Was he painting
1: graffiti? Was he just climbing just bridges? Just climbing. What a weirdo.
3: He was just amazing. Right. I love this kid. He was like a younger white kid. I think he was like eighteen at this okay. time. Okay. Ballsy. The yeah, ball how does a kid. how
1: does a kid how do you start that as a hobby? I don't like, know I'm how he lifted him up. But he
3: was up he was about about it. Like he would climb up and wait for me and climb up and wait for me. He was so quick, he was like strong as hell. So we met up at the the middle of the Williamsburg Bridge. I was there at the right time. Dude cl- literally dropped him on top of me like fucking Spider Man. And was like, yo, you ready? Let's go, let's go, let's go. I was like, all right, all right, all right. I didn't have any time to think about it, which is perfect. So, yeah, we like, we climb up to the top. There's like a certain point where you can... This is daytime. Nah, this is it's like a... 11 oh, at okay. p.m. Okay. Yeah,
2: okay.
3: We didn't want to wait till after midnight because then the Empire State shuts off the lights. Okay. So we wanted to like catch. Right.
1: Ugh, oh, you needed a good light. We needed a yes. good yes. light.
3: <laughs> you know, uh so we did that and that was, it was like all fun and games like nothing was crazy about it so, and I wrote out this story for Animal and I wasn't hiding anything about it I like I wrote my full name okay, was like whatever uh, I think like a full year and a half later I was in Baltimore like covering a different story for Animal uh, then I get a phone call from my roommates being like yo there's like four detectives going through your shit right now I'm like what? and they're like yeah they 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 got the warrant. They're like here. Because
1: whenever you're like in a public, like I remember after 9-11, like if you were in the subway tunnels, it was terrorism. Because it's mm-hmm. like you could be in there to like plant a bomb or like yeah. survey it. They and they got the all like really crazy about like anything mm-hmm. that was, you know. So is that uh, what this was? I yeah, they Or they sort pretend of. Yeah. They, they make it that just to arrest you or
3: something? Yeah, I mean, when they did, they did like a news story about it on ABC, and all they did was interview uh, the police commissioner who called us like bridge bozos, which is pretty funny. Yeah. and then uh, they interviewed people. They interviewed a terrorism expert and asked him if it was possible that we could have had explosives. Right,
1: you us. could. Right, you could and have. Like, in theory, well, right? Yeah, like, but put, like, like, what the
3: fuck? We live here. Right. We love this bridge. We're climbing it because we admire. But like,
1: it. I need the light from the Empire yeah <laughs> and it was like obvious
3: from the story like I don't right, think that anybody it wasn't could about have read that,
1: but, they, but the idea that there's a, you know a compromise and that like you can have access to this it, yeah. I think scares them so much and they want to shut you down before yeah. you do
3: it again and I get it I get it um, but the fact of the matter is like the what happened next is what made me l- totally lose faith in, in, in being seen as human by the NYPD you know uh, yeah so they came in. they took all my electronics they took all my business cards they took all these like random things that I had in my apartment uh, they had a warrant they had a warrant okay okay so that's like fine but then while I'm in holding uh, I was in the tombs under in Manhattan
1: right here right
3: around right, the corner right, right? right here uh, <laughs> memories <laughs> always love coming around here <laughs> they, they this detective comes into the cell to talk to me and she's asking me questions like what mosque do you pray at
1: Oh Oh, Jesus! Um.
3: Well, who do you know in this community? Well, if you hear about some kind of plot, you know you can like come to us and talk about this. I'm like, of course I'm gonna fucking talk to you. I live here. I I don't want to die. But like this idea where they were coming to me is uh, some kind of informant, right? As if I'm sitting around hearing about all this stuff, but am cool with it, just like scooping my hummus like any other like Arab. Like what the fuck, you know? Uh, And they were asking me all these questions about like. Muslims and they're giving me names and asking me if so I recognize all this like, shit. They
1: didn't click on your name on Animal New York and just look at your sort of your list of articles and that they're all pretty wide. Like it just makes no sense, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you be like, "This dude's like a thrill seeker," yeah, 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 you know? Like, when's the last time that you encountered a cop that had the?
2: Had a brain. to yeah. kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do a little background. <laughs> check. They do it by the numbers. Everything's by the fucking yeah. Numbers, and man. it's a money game. It's yeah. a money game. And they're like...
1: agents for the rich. <laughs> it's true. They are. They're like they're government. Well, like they just they do it by the money fucking numbers.
2: They yeah. Do yeah. it by the numbers. Yeah. They got they got you hauled. They hauled in Muslim kid, and they're gonna see what right. they They got, get got right, quotas.
3: Right. right. Um, yeah, dude. And and like I can see myself as some kind of thrill seeker and. Oh, who are you, Amen? I'm a photographer. Oh, what do you do? I'm, I, I tell stories. But to them and to all these like law enforcement people, I'm just like another Muslim kid. I'm the threat. A potential, uh, either I'm a terrorist or I'm going to help stop the next terrorist attack. Okay. Right, And that, that makes you feel really vulnerable in that kind of situation where they, they really are in control of your freedom and they're deciding whether or not you're going to walk out or not. And all I'm being seen as is just, like, another brown kid.
1: So what are they trying to charge you with? Trespassing?
3: Yeah, a a few things. I think it was, like, trespassing. Uh, There was another one that was, like, free jumping or something like that. And what
1: about your your guy, your... Your yeah, bridge, your yeah. bridge guy. What's Same up with thing, him? But only... So were they were they grilling him and no, they were
3: No, no, no. They actually let him go. Of course they did. They let him go on the ROR. Like,
1: Stay safe, honey.
3: Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but careful. for me, they they wanted me to post bail, and I think it was like three thousand dollars or two and a half thousand dollars. And I like live and work in the city at this point, so I was right. like, I'm not a flay risk, one. Right. Two, you know why I was doing what I was doing. And three, when I was getting arraigned, <laughs> I'm never gonna fucking forget this. This really like hurt my feelings. The 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 judge, I'm sorry, was like, and if you get in trouble like this again, we're gonna deport you.
1: You're like, like, to where I'm from, Jersey.
3: I'm like, yo, They'll I was deport you to literally Jersey. born <laughs> 0.8 miles away from the courthouse, and any kind of research or looking up or googling will get you that information. They know this, but
1: they just wanted to dig you.
3: Either that or they just saw the name and stopped caring.
1: Well, let me tell you about this whole like deportation thing uh, Mm. that I'm thinking that's happening is, you know, they just put into a law that like they want to make like Judaism a nationality. Yeah. (laughs) They do. They want, and it's so that they can fucking deport us. I swear, well, not you guys, but me. Mm. (laughs) Us Jews or whatever. That like, if you claim to be a Jew and then that's your national, like that's your. You know, where you associate, then you're a a citizen of Israel, and then I'm just going to ship you right now. I see it. I see it coming.
3: Like, you can be born in America, the whole culture be American, but you're still not American.
1: I mean, I think that's how it was for my parents being uh, first generation Mm -hmm. immigrant children of Jewish people. Like, Mm -hmm. they were just felt like they were going to. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com weight loss. So, Animal New York ends. And it really became this time where all these websites were just being taken down. Mm. The laws changed for sharing images, mm-hmm. right? That's what really kind of killed the bloggers. Do you know that? That, so, like, too sure. if you had a gossip blog, and I'm ta- really talking about like Kathy Bennett yeah. and her, um, and you're, you know, Rihanna's wearing a crazy outfit, and you mm-hmm. go and you just take the picture, and Rihanna's wearing it. Now, the photographer and the AP service, whatever, mm-hmm. wherever it's from. Uh, want credit, it needs to be credited and backlinked and um, yeah, yeah. then they started to sue all these like small blogs <sighs> and people just like they didn't know, you know, the internet was a mm-hmm. wild west but and, right. and Insta- with Instagram it still is. Like yeah. you know, Every time you
3: upload a picture you're licensing it to Instagram.
1: Yeah, but just any pic, you can post anyone's picture whether it's copyrighted or not mm-hmm. unless, you know, it gets like reported by some loser <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um uh, mm-hmm. it just all of a sudden blogs were done what mm-hmm. what happened do you think
3: i mean i don't think animal was in the middle of any kind of lawsuit no
1: animal wasn't animal was just uh, i mean it, obviously it, there was a f- it, just, a, it
3: costs money to make these websites. Like it's like everything is for free. You can just go to animalnewyork.com cnn.com, any anywhatever.com and it's free. It's no, nobody not, pays you're for
1: a, it. You are forced to watch those horrible commercials.
3: Cuz even then like you're and not making banner, that much money ugliest off of it. And banner
1: ads ever yeah. and like, yeah and then there's like clickbait that's mm-hmm. paid for that keeps it fun- yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it.
3: So there's like all these different systems of making money when you're working in a blog, but none of them are really that lucrative. Like you can't really be paying people's salaries when you're like a right. small blog like animal right and your readership has like is a very is very niched
1: it it, it was very niche you know yes. so
3: like trying to have mass appeal for like a website like animal would destroy it you know it wouldn't be the same website anymore if you're trying to like write listicles on like what to do to please your man or whatever the fuck oh you know? my god right like which would get traffic but you're not going to be making the same kind of content that you were before right so Yeah, I mean it's not. So it became expensive.
1: It is is expensive. And then sort of like online advertising sort of like plateaued and people didn't want to spend money because they weren't getting the results they
3: wanted. Exactly. So like for any website, you know, you you need like a sugar daddy or a sugar mommy. Anyone who's gonna be able to help Support it, pay the salaries, pay your salary and play pay all of your employees salaries because mm. like to run a blog is a lot of work also it 's not you can 't just do it part time so i can I can imagine that every person who runs and owns their own blog is is looking at this huge ass mountain it 's like either you need like tens of millions of hits daily or you don 't have a business, and so that 's why you end up having to shut down after trying or you, you end up trying to, like, make commercials but hide them as content because you just need right, to be able to pay the bills. Right, because
1: that's all the blogs that are kind of left.
3: Yeah, and Animal that, tried to do that. Right, they tr- they
1: became, um, you know, content for advertisers, like, mm-hmm. uh, masked as um, journalism mm-hmm. and, um, you know, hence where we are, where we are now with <laughs> yeah. journalism. <clears throat> um,
3: Which sucks because then it's like if you if you can't monetize something cool, it's you can't make it.
1: But it's almost like you can't monetize cool. Yeah. Like cool can't be monetized because it's just P- normal regular people don't mm-hmm. get it. They're not cool enough. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's only for the upper echelon, you know? And it's like they're not spending money on that. They're fucking cool. I'm not out of pay. What are you crazy? Big <laughs> oh,
0: facts,
3: you know? Yeah. Big facts.
1: So what happened when you left Animal? Well, then what happened? Oh my god, I f- cried my eyes I out. I mean, uh, oh my yeah. God. I mean, it was terrible. Ugh. What year was this? I
3: don't know. 2015. 15 okay. I think I was at animal For like 3 years Which sucked Because I felt like I peaked too early You know what I mean <laughs> uh, So at that point I was applying for jobs Like okay. everybody else Who was like an animal vet I know I wanted to stay in media But at this point I was like trying to th- I was thinking like Maybe I do want to go back To advertising uh, I was like in touch With Tom Webster Shout like,
1: out to Tom Webster. Tom, we love we you. Lo- we love you, Tom Webster.
3: And I was like, yo, maybe I could just... like Maybe was like the time I can go to mother. Like I've always planned.
1: And he's like, I quit mother and starting my own <laughs> agency. Bye. Because
3: Tom's not <laughs> fucking around, yeah. Uh, then, yeah, something inside me was like, yo, Amen. You're not done. You have more stories to tell. I don't know something about it. Like I was talking to other people, and they were like, yo, Amen. If you end up just like working at advertising, you're going to be staying up all night waiting for for notes. You're gonna get emotionally involved in something that you think is dope, and then all these like people sitting at desks and wherever well, the fuck are gonna be telling you how to I was ruin it.
1: That like maybe,
3: yeah, right, you know. Yeah. Don't so,
1: get me uh,
2: started on advertising.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so that's what? What, that's what I kept on. Brad hearing. used to write jingles. <laughs> oh jeez,
3: I'm sure you loved that. <laughs> a little
1: that. bit. A little bit.
2: He was a jingle writer. I wasn't good at it. Really? I Couldn't take it. I couldn't stand those. And don't get. No, let's not talk about it.
3: We got to get a mine's jingle going.
2: I know, <laughs> mines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Man.
1: Um, we have yeah good, we have good show music though. Yeah. Shout out to Bubbles. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Bubbles. Yeah, Bubbles. Yeah, yeah. We use that. Hot. We use that for um. Yeah. The video that you and I made, right?
3: The 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 best mural that only list lasted, lasted like three days.
1: Uh, yeah, I think
2: it lasted. But I want like to hear what happened. Did you try to do, go back to advertising or not?
3: I I got Kofi, I got an offer letter, I was like, this is gonna be great, and then I got another offer letter from Slate Magazine, which is like a pretty uh, well-known national politics and culture magazine, and I was like, I, I was literally looking down two, two roads, I was like, I can either just go and make my money and go to cool advertising parties and meet cool people and fuck around whatever. These or- advertising
1: dudes are the worst. They're <sighs> fucking lame. <laughs> lameos. <laughs> they are. They're so not funny just like the advertising <laughs> men or the you know the madman. The madmen mad mad men men? Men from like they're it's not the same caliber of, of person. Yeah. If you just watched uh, commercials there's, like there's, how dare you how dare you make me watch this and not make me laugh fuck you <laughs> Oh
3: man So I was either I was like, either going to do that or I was going to go to a bigger magazine and and like try and tell stories like other people's stories
1: Okay so Slate, I was like, I Slate Slate was like let's do something online did they have something or they wanted to develop stuff with you No
3: they had a very particular job for me and it's it's kind of shitty but they were like yo we're going to make you do like video clickbait right okay. you're going to make like 1 minute videos that we can throw on facebook or youtube or the, our own player and try and get as many clicks as possible which was like yeah, fun like, at
1: that the beginning man found dog in sewer <laughs> but yeah I so what, on all those and I'm like this is the worst article I've was ever like, read like yeah. how dare they so um, t- how do you go
2: about making clickbait that's what I'd like to I
3: mean do. that's the thing it's like I sucked Are you at it I wasn't good other at it
2: stuff? Like, is that what you do? No,
3: I'm st- still trying to make original right. stuff. But or like, the, the way you're supposed you to do it. Or you a
1: list of like what you should talk about. No, I was,
3: I was supposed to like pitch ideas. Okay. In like a pitch meeting, and then okay, if you get greenlit or red, or, or that or that's it, like your idea dies. So I was, I still coming in from like that animal mentality. I still wanted to do things that people were had never seen before, that we were going to think was kind of funny but cool at the same time. So I was like, all right, I'm going to bring that spirit here. So, I made like a few videos that I really liked. One of them, I went to like a skateboarding competition and just like cut all the times that they ate dirt. Right. And like put that video out. I was like, here are the best skaters in the world not landing tricks. Right. And I was like, that's something that Bucky would like. And that's kind of like what my gauge is okay. for like things that I liked. But it wasn't hitting, you know, it didn't have that mass appeal. So, like, I, I kind of needed to think of other ways to, to tell.
1: Too subcultury.
3: Yeah, it was too good. <laughs> right. that's, that's how I saw
1: it. Right, right, right. It, it needed
3: to like talk about something that was already being talked about. The best video I ever did for for Slate up until that point was one. It was like Melania Trump accidentally, I guess, saying the the, the Rick Roll lyrics, and I just threw the music underneath it and put it up. Boom, million hits. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I like put my my soul into other stuff, and nobody cares. Right. I do something that's like stupid. Everybody loves it, so I was like, "This—that's like the world I was operating in."
1: Right? It's America, honey. Yeah,
3: <laughs> but I was I, I didn't have a good nose for it. Like, I couldn't sniff out the good ideas. Right. As, so he's
1: not a memeer. He's not no, a memeer. Not a he's not, not a memeer. My
3: Instagram sucks. Mm. So <clears throat> at that point, I was like, "Well, I think we were going in like a different direction. I think they—they they had already figured out that they weren't making any of the money back." for video, so they wanted to do something like bigger that they could maybe sell to advertisers and to get sponsors on projects instead of trying to just rack up
1: ads. So, let me ask you something. So, the powers that be, they, even though you weren't getting the clicks they wanted, they saw something there. They weren't giving up on Mm. you, even though you weren't, like, giving, right, on you. They were Mm. like, he's still, he's got something.
3: I mean, at this point, I was still like writing for the website. Okay, you know, like I'd still write some things. At this point, I'd already like gotten the confidence from Animal to write and like throw my head in the ring. Okay, uh, I think one of the first pieces I ever wrote for Slate was a was a banger. I think it was called uh, "Thank Allah for Trump." It was all about how, like, as a Muslim, I'm happy that Trump has us all talking about Islamophobia. Because if it, if not for Trump saying shit like "I think Islam hates us," Nobody would be talking about Gingrich saying the same thing or them saying that every day on Fox News. So I was like, thank God Trump is saying it so that it's out in the open. Right. And so like, I, I still liked the idea of writing from that Muslim perspective just because I thought it was a voice that was absent on slate. I was mm-hmm. the only kid that was Muslim on staff. So I was like, I should write about this. So I don't know. I wasn't like the video guy, but in a way I was, but I still like contributed a bunch of other shit. But it all kind of came to a head when I was at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. This was right when Trump was going to be confirmed as the Republican nominee. At this point, I'm just like going as video backup. I was just going to follow other reporters along with a camera and, and see if I can turn their stories into video segments that can run alongside. Sure. To like make their pieces maybe be more bang. So, yo, this is a true story. This is, this is you're going to fucking laugh. Uh, we we haven't even gotten in yet. We had just landed. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're waiting in line, that long ass line that all the journalists got to wait in to get their credentials, their badges. Sure. And behind me, I think it's like a a delegate, like one of these Republican delegates, except he looks like he he's straight out of Comic-Con, full cosplay of of Thomas Jefferson with like the colonial I
1: read about that.
3: Yo, imagine, imagine somebody taps you on the shoulder and you turn around and it's this, this fucking guy and he goes, yo, are you a Muslim? <laughs> 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 oh my God. Oh my God. And, oh God. And I don't, I'm still working through this. I, I, I guess at that point, it was probably a little bit more excessive. But like, I'm a little, I'm a little confrontational. I'm a Nord kid. So I, st- I take a step forward and I'm like, yeah, what? Right? And then this guy's like, oh, well, I heard that you worship a pedophile. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. Okay. So, I'm, you know, I'll do like the start, like, sw- right s- sliding my hands back and forth. And am like, okay, well, what do you think you know about Muslims? Let's talk about this. I'm we kind of go back and forth. We like explaining shit. At a certain point, somebody that I work with starts filming it on their cell phone. Other people in line, other journalists are kind of like listening, laughing at this. Me take this dude to church, figuratively, uh, and
1: and he's dressed as Thomas as Jefferson. As Thomas fucking Jefferson. This he has a powdered wig. Yes, he did. Wow, what a weirdo.
3: He was a weirdo. <laughs> Wherever you are, man, I love you.
1: I mean I'm talking shit, but I love you. Meet me at the press pass line. <laughs> like
3: <laughs> one thing that he says was really funny. he's like, um,
1: so you were like Thomas Jefferson rapes and um yeah, and fathered like all of these children. What yeah. about that? And what did he have to say to that? And he was
3: like, no, he didn't.
1: Oh really he didn't he was a denier. He,
3: he didn't you know he didn't know. Uh, he's one of those people who probably gets his news from Fox News, so like they're not—they're right, right. not very educated. They're so- never
1: dissing Thomas Jefferson, <laughs> never.
3: <laughs> and it was just like this eruption of laughter. I'm never going to forget it from behind him, and he looked looks so embarrassed and embattled because everybody, of course, we're all journalists. We all know we've all at least been to the Monticello or know about it, where they embrace at Thomas Jefferson's estate his legacy of fathering all these like illegitimate half black children right so like yo he gets owned it's really really funny and uh, somebody sent, puts this on like the, the the slate slack and somebody suggests yo that's what Amos should do at the RNC he should just be walking around schooling people just talking about him being Muslim
1: hence the the birth of your of your show
3: exactly so there, right. So I think somebody recognized that I have a talent for, for staying calm and talking to people about their misconceptions and, and being that ambassador just cause I've been doing it for so long. Like it's impossible not to, when you're a Muslim kid growing up, uh, at least on the East coast where kids are just going to come to your face and be like, Oh, well I heard you live in a pyramid. You're going to be <laughs> like, Oh, well yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, the one on Fourth street, you know? So <laughs> it's a, it's a way for, it was like a cool way to, to take the power away from these people who thought they were powerful. You know? Uh,
1: do you like, have, do you have any gripes
3: with, who?
1: with, with, With the Muslim religion?
3: With the Muslim religion?
1: Yeah. Do you have any gripes? Are there any things that you find that, like, they they don't, like, go along with your thinking? I know your wife is— I have uh, a
3: a real big problem with institutionalized religion. I think one of—like, yeah, you're right that I had, like, a—I kind of was distancing myself from religion, especially when I got to college. Okay. I didn't— like that feeling where I or I was like I, my plan was set out for me and I had to act a certain way. Right. I'd never eat pork. Like get that shit away from me. But at the same time, I was so like, so good. Oh my doing god, it's all so delicious. Shit, you know? <laughs>
1: it's so delicious. Yeah. My god, it's, it's ridiculous. So, it's so easy
3: not to, and it smells <laughs> bad. It smells like oh,
1: smells wet so towels. <laughs> no
3: thank you. <laughs> and the way that it just looks, it just looks like
2: mm. pink. What about bacon? Never we got turkey bacon. Bacon oh, yeah. smells good though, right? Yeah, bacon Does smells bacon good. Does bacon smell good to you? Bacon smells banging. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you heard it
1: But here it's first? not a sin to smell <laughs> it. It's not a sin to it's smell it. It's not a sin. But, yeah. to but you know what, also, I'll just tell you something. Pigs mm. are like very smart and lovely They're animals. They're smarter and than dogs. I, yeah, and, I and I they, and they fucking, don't have sweat glands. All those toxins I, stay in their body. That's just nasty. They don't make bowel movements?
3: No. Well, they do, but they do. That's how they get
1: out, honey. They do have sweat glands. Like all I used to be in the I used to be an assistant designer for outerwear (laughs) and (laughs) the pig skin, the fucking pig skin. They like rip the hairs out. It has little holes in it. Mm. Pores. You
2: are know. you, You're a fucking biologist. I am. <laughs> right, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> it's it's so easy not to eat pig
3: that it didn't feel like that's where right. I was going to cross that boundary. It is probably the boundary. easiest
2: one to give up. My wife doesn't eat pork. Yeah. You it's, just don't have to. I think
1: it's bad for you. I mean, I grew up um, with the idea that we shouldn't eat it, but we would eat it. Mm. And, um, you know, I love it. I'm married to a white man. Whatever. What can I do? So when we eat lunch together,
3: <laughs> I can like peel it off my sandwich and just give it to you. Okay,
1: uh, uh, just call me. <laughs> <laughs> call me up. I'll be right there. Okay. But do, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, mm. did did you ever feel like there are things that you do not agree with? Like there's so much stuff in Judaism I mm-hmm. don't agree with. Like why? Um. Well, you know, the whole patriarchy bullshit. Mm, like, mm, you know, and word. um I used to always say like, well, why did God do all those things then? Mm. And now there are people fucking dying and yeah. they he doesn't do anything now. Like mm. it doesn't make any sense to me. But being Jewish, there is this dichotomy in the religion where you're allowed to not believe in God and not believe it and still culturally be Jewish. Yeah. And I always liked that because I was like, I don't agree with any of this. I don't agree with, you know, she laid down with this Mm, guy mm, and this and it's horrible. And, you know, and it was the patriarchy that really bothered me.
3: So that patriarchy exactly, exactly is why I was kind of pushing it out of my life when I got to college. And when I was sort of like away from my family's home where I could decide who I got to hang out with and who I got to watch movies with. It just didn't make sense to me that I was supposed to stay away from girls. Okay. I thought like, like a lot of my favorite people that made me laugh and like all they're all like women. I get along with women. So, like oh, so
1: obviously you had homegirls, right, mm-hmm. in school, but they weren't like it wasn't a developed relationship, right? Because yeah, they, it like, was like we you couldn't, couldn't be
3: seen in, with each other in public in case my dad was rolling through.
1: Oh, okay.
3: Like I I didn't, I didn't think it was worth the ass beating, you know what okay. I mean? Okay. So I was like, you know what? We'll like we'll chill in class. But outside of class.
1: Right, I don't know you. uh,
3: Yeah, exactly. We like see each other in the supermarket. She'll be like, oh, hey, Amen. And I'll just like duck. I'll be like, oh, shit.
2: So, (laughs) wait, so you can't talk to hang out with women?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's like an Islamic idea that when you're alone with a woman, you're joined by the devil. Oh. So my parents took that very seriously. Even
2: outside of, even if they're not part of Muslim religion.
3: I'd say, yeah. They're they're
1: even more
2: I thought that. I didn't realize that it carried over to any women. Okay.
1: But what if you're not alone with them, but you are Yeah, the, the way that my mom
3: saw it was like if you're studying with them, cool. If you're like in class with them, cool. But like you shouldn't be going to the park and like fucking around with them right? Like that. Right. So I, that that part of me made no sense.
1: It it kind of doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. In a more <laughs> If you're a teenage
2: boy, it makes you're... no sense whatsoever, I
1: mean... <laughs> But as a human, <laughs> yeah. even, it doesn't make that's sense. Right, right. And, uh, and like
3: at the Islamic school, we had separate entrances for the boys and girls. We had separate classes. Like it would be like fifth grade boys and fifth grade girls. Like it was totally separate. So when I went to that public school for the first time, I was learning for the first time how to talk to women. Right. And it took me like a full year for me to like get comfortable enough to like shake their hand. But like after that point, I was like, all right, this is all kind of bullshit. And that's like what started that wedge. But by the time I got to college and it became normal for me, it didn't seem that crazy to still identify as Muslim and still want to pray and still believe in everything. But at the same time, I'm going to be going to parties. I'm going to be listening to music. I'm going to be doing all this shit that my my mom taught me not to. Which, to her credit, she wanted to protect me from bad shit. Right. Um, But.
1: And she's teaching you the ways that she grew up. Right. Right. Right.
3: So, I don't knock her for it at all. She, I mean, she has like the best intentions. Right. Shouts out mom again. But, like, the thing that really changed me was the fact that I was just getting older and my idea of religion was becoming more sophisticated. So, I was able to later on separate the idea of institutionalized religion with faith. And so, I was still able to maintain my, my belief in God and this idea that one day I'm going to be judged and one day I'm going to go to hell or one day I'm going to go to heaven based on how good I was. To people around me That idea still stuck with me I still do believe that But at that time I was like Well I'm not going to just listen to this Guy with the beard Just because he has a beard I'm not going to just Take whatever people say blindly I'm going to investigate it for myself And one of the things That they don't teach you as a kid When you're Muslim Is that religiously You're supposed to like. You're not supposed to just believe whatever your parents believe. You're supposed to investigate it for yourself. Right. One of the 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 prophet, uh, peace and blessings be upon him, was famous for saying, um, "Like religion without knowledge is is useless. Like you can't just have the tradition and then pray out of muscle memory and expect to benefit from it." And so I had like this uh, Malcolm X moment, right when I was like. Uh, doing my hundred hours of community service after I got arraigned, uh, <laughs> where it was like Ramadan month, and you're encouraged to like read during that time. And so, at that point, I realized I'd never read it in English. I've only ever read it in Arabic, and my Arabic is I can read it, I can pronounce it, but I can't understand it the way right, the Arabs compre- can. You're right; your comprehension's you
1: know? not at the yeah.
3: highest level. So right? i got a I got a copy of the Quran that had English on one side, Arabic on the other. And I sat down and I told the 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 the, the they're not CEOs, what are they the, the, the people who make sure you're doing your hours? The the park people who make sure you're picking up trash. Those guys like, are mostly cool. Yeah. I right. was like, yo, I'm fasting. I'm not picking up trash today. Right. I'm gonna be on the
1: bench reading the Quran. Yeah.
3: And they're like, we don't give a shit. Just <laughs> right. show yeah. up on time, leave on time, that's right. all we can. Wear your like, oh, little cool.
1: vest and you're good. It <laughs> was super right.
3: cool. Uh,
1: Thompson Square Park?
3: Battery park. Oh, you did battery park. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> battery
3: park was nice. They gave me the choice. Yeah. I was like, battery's nice. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
3: yeah. And I had just gotten engaged at that time. So I was, about, I was getting ready to get married. So I was like, yo, she her family was very religious. She's a scholar of Islam. She went to school for this shit.
1: Well, I remember her. She was um, trying to be in the clergy. Yeah. And she yeah. was chaplain, a, yeah. a real like shit star because she didn't want to wear her hijab. Mm-hmm. And she threatened to um, to leave and join Judaism. Was right? that what happened? Didn't yeah. she? Yeah. No. I read something <laughs> or something where she was like, <laughs> Oh, okay, she was going
3: to get her endorsement to be a Muslim chaplain from... The Jewish organizations. Because there's only one organization where you can get endorsed as a chaplain in this country that's Muslim. And they were like, yo, we've never endorsed someone who's the woman who didn't wear the hijab. This is going to reflect badly for us and our investors. So we can't do it. And then she wrote like a five-page dissertation religiously outlining and explaining her religious reasons for not wanting to wear the hijab. And then they got back to her like four months later being like, yo, shit, you're right. (laughs) Like we can't (laughs) argue against this. You did –
1: you explained this to us
3: using the Quran, using the seerah, using everything. She broke it down.
1: She She, broke it down.
3: Yeah, because like I think for – especially for Muslim women, like if you don't want to wear the hijab, the the implication is, oh, you're lazy. You can, but you just don't want to. Oh, I thought it
1: was you're modern. I thought it was like – a real statement on like, like modernity within, within the community okay.
3: like if if you're like a Muslim mom and you wear the hijab and your daughter doesn't want to I, I've heard a lot of the times that the mom will just be like oh well I failed to teach you the love of the hijab or like I teach you to be like a good Muslim but for a lot of them it's just like a different experience you know so for my wife she uh, she was experiencing the hijab in a very different way than like how they experience it in other parts of the world where sure. it's normal So she lived in Saudi Arabia for a while. So she knows what it's like to be normal and wear the hijab. And men will treat you like people. Right? At least like men your age. Okay. But in this country where she she went to Rutgers too. I didn't know her there. She was realizing that men, especially non-Muslim men, were treating her like not a person. Just like a walking, talking cloth. And so she was like, this is not doing what it's supposed to do for me religiously. I'm not having people respect me and and be forced to take me seriously because they're not distracted by my beauty or jewels or whatever mm-hmm. so she was like this is doing the opposite now i'm attracting all this attention and so she had this like religious moment and she went back to the texts and did her research and then religiously came to the conclusion where she was like this doesn't make sense i wish she was here to explain it herself right. <laughs> you know what i mean I'm, I'm a guy i've never worn the hijab once in my life Except that one time when my brothers were bullying me.
1: I was going to say, you should try it. <laughs> you should try it. You might like it.
3: But, uh, yeah, yo. So, when I was doing my hours, I was reading the Quran in English for the first time. And I was realizing that so much of what I was led to believe just isn't in, isn't in the book. You know, there's, like, this whole chapter called Surat Niset, which is all it's a chapter of the women. It's, a, it's from God, addressed to men on how to treat women. There's nothing in there about not talking to them or not being friends with them, but there's a whole lot about like protecting them and standing up for them. Huh. Right? So it's like all this stuff that made sense and things that I thought were like chivalrous and and appropriate, but nothing in there that I was that I thought that could justify what I've been conditioned to believe. And also when it came to like rights that your wife has, it was all these rights that she has over you, like none of it was like you're in charge. There's this one verse that I think people twisted and turned it into well you're in charge because it said like you're the, the guardian but the way that i write it and the way that i still read it is well you're you're in charge of protecting her like still the right that she has over you she's entitled for your to, to your for your protection okay uh and so yeah that changed uh, like oh, it made me more muslim it made me believe in it harder
1: right because you were, you were finding the beauty within it instead of... Yeah, like, the nuance. The nuance.
3: The nuance. Right. And uh, I, f- I s- found all these like really vague verses that were just like like the protector, guardian one. And um, yeah, this time I was still like, well, what is it, exactly does this mean? And I was going back and forth, looking it up, looking it up. I was like reading this other book called Bukhari, which is uh, like th- a list of stories from the, the prophet's lifetime. And yeah... It's it's it just didn't make sense to like to think about how he treated women. His area where he was like taking all these questions and meeting with them one on one and doing all these like things. And like, if we're not supposed to talk with them, how is this possible? Right. So I was like, it kind of like shook my, it kind of like shook me in a way where I was like, oh, I have to really come to this from an open
1: mind. Let's go back to your show. <laughs> so now. Now you mm. uh you've c- come up with your Thomas Jefferson idea yep. and you are going to go and like get into America mm. and have them meet a- an American Muslim cool ass motherfucker. Thank you. And yeah. It was a really really amazing show. Thank you.
3: That really means a lot. I miss doing it. I yeah. miss making it. Yeah. Uh yeah, the idea was there were all these stereotypes and Preconceptions that people had about what Islam was and what Muslims believed in and who Muslims were, that I w- like, I kept on having to encounter it no matter how I believed, or no matter how I presented myself as a Muslim. You know, um, ask any like I, I'll go back to the hijab thing because it's like the most visual representation of Islam. Right,
1: like indicator.
3: Right. People mm-hmm. are like shocked when a Muslim woman's not wearing a hijab. It's like, oh, but aren't you supposed to, as if they understand like exactly what's written in the book or you know there's like mm-hmm. people have such confidence when they talk about islam uh without having ever met a muslim so i'm like okay well let's let's take all of these ideas one by one and really like bring it down to the human level not talk about like the scripture i don't want to talk about like how the prophet lived his life i just want to talk about how it's how it's experienced by people who are both muslim and people who are Involved in like Muslim lore People who are writing about Muslims Or have radio shows or whatever the fuck So the first episode
1: But they're anti-Muslim they're, It's not like they're like Yeah Preaching like They end up being the, anti-Muslim uh, uh, right, right, right They end up, right So you're It's it's uh You know A positive and negative um, mm-hmm. Force
3: But not like Walking in Being like Well this guy's <laughs> wrong And this guy's right It's more like Well state your case I'm, I'm not sure either way You know Uh mm-hmm. So the first interview I ever did on this show was with a dude named Jim Hoft. Shout out Jim Hoft. He's this super conspiratorial, think like gay Alex Jones. He's this guy who runs this website called the Gateway Pundit. Uh, And their whole website is basically just like a black crime section. You know, super racist, super Islamophobic, just like believes that America's gone to shit and it's the immigrants' fault. Uh, This guy has press credentials by the way So they're in the White House Regularly you know Palling around with the people running shit So My first interview was with the guy who runs this website And it was all about Homophobia So he's written a bunch on his website How if we let Muslim immigrants in Say we let (laughs) Syrian refugees in Forget about it Like gay people are going to be massacred in this country So my idea was Well it is illegal to be gay in so many Muslim countries gay people in a lot of circumstances have to worry about getting killed so this guy kind of has a point let's talk to him and find out wh- like why he cares about these people and let's like discover like what the fuck is going right. on and I also interviewed my cousin uh, this dude named Muhammad who is himself gay and had to like deal with the consequences of that of being, coming out gay to his family you know what I mean It didn't go down well. So it was like talking to both of those people on this thing and and kind of like trying to decide for myself as a Muslim person, like how the fuck I feel about this. Okay. So I walk into this guy's living room. First thing I fucking see, first thing, it's, it's so funny. Dude has a whole statue, a golden statue in his living room of like a Muslim guy with a scimitar raising it above his head about to smite someone like this Christian woman with a halo on her
2: head.
1: It's a statue. It's a
3: golden statue, and it's in his fucking living room. You're like, <laughs> I,
1: you're like I love your art. <laughs> yeah,
3: and I'm an East Coast kid, so like that's exactly like, how you get I this played on it.
1: QVC. Where did you get? <laughs> yeah. <that? laughs>
3: So I'm like, yeah. Let's talk about this. It's kind of. He's like, yeah. So we it's better uh... talk
1: about this. What The fuck. Yeah, and, and the way he played it
3: was so funny. He was like, oh, yeah. You kind of. It's like a, it's a nice piece, isn't it? I'm like, yeah.
1: He's like, but well, we hate women. Don't you know that we're gay?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so the dude was really nice. We we talked a lot, and he he like admitted on camera to me being the first Muslim he's ever met in his entire life. And he was like, well, I know that I like you as a person, but how do I know that I'm going to like other people? And I was like, well, you don't really know until you meet them, right? Like, people aren't just like these modelists. People are people. So we we got, like, we we kind of made some ground. And
1: everybody should be based, like, your judgment on their individual, like, acts. Yeah. You can't group people together. Mm -hmm. It's so whack.
3: So based on, like, our conversation... It became so clear to me that this dude just found an audience. Like he just, he just like struck gold, and that he knew that if like by, like taking a quote of Aziz Ansari saying something, he can just change the headline to "Muslim says X Y Z against our president," that it's gonna blow up on his website, and it did. But it's fucking Aziz Ansari. Dude ate pork on his show. Like,
1: right? He's He's, a
3: normal guy. Right? He's He's very very American. Very
1: assimilated. Right?
3: So yeah it's, so like that's that was what the conclusion was. It was like, yeah, these problems exist. We have to talk about it. We can't let people like Jim Hoft prevent us from having this conversation like that's what like the takeaway was, and that kind of like set the tone for the whole thing. It's like, yeah it's, there are problems. there are racists. How do we talk about the problems without emboldening the racists,
1: and how do we humanize you know their enemy mm-hmm. right?
3: Yeah, yeah, and and like, how do people like me in the middle who are, who who hate homophobia, like kind of work into this like motif of like this being the the image that people have of being Muslim in America? Because no matter what I say or do or believe, people are still going to be like, "Oh, you're Muslim. That means you're homophobic, right?" No matter what. So it's like, how do how do I reconcile all those things together? And that was like the show that was cool. We made like 15 episodes, and then at a certain point, even Slate couldn't figure out how to make money off of it. So they were like, <laughs>
1: "It's very niche." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very, very. I mean, it's very groundbreaking and really cool.
3: Yeah, it's just. It just. It always
1: sucks when it has it's, to come down to come down to the money. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: You know, people aren't paying subscriptions to to Slate. So, well, you can. People should sign up for Slate Plus. But, uh, you know, you they're not they're not paying for the show. Right. So, where's that money going to come from? Where's my Where's my salary going to come from? And that's the question. So it was cool. I mean, I miss making that show, but, you know, if anybody out there, like, on Netflix or Showtime wants to sponsor... Holler, yeah. holler, holler. Yeah. <laughs> com. So,
1: and now you're working on a very interesting yes. uh, show for yeah. Slate as well, mm-hmm. and it's called Man Up, mm-hmm. and you talk about masculinity and it's changing role within society yeah yeah okay tell me more
3: okay okay i'll tell you more the 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 whole idea was is basically the exact same thing as who's afraid i took like what worked for me and tried to expand it so that i'm not just only talking to a niche audience of muslims or people who are invested in the muslim story so i was like I, i like the idea of being the journalist who puts his cards on the table, doesn't pretend to be neutral and doing both sides Just straight up is saying, I come from, I'm coming from here. Where the fuck are we going? And like asking that question. And so I was like, how do I, how do I open that up? And one thing that I was still like confused about as much as I am about religion is like my masculinity. I'm a kid who grew up around like in Jersey city, Newark. Like I'm used to fighting for what I want. But then now I now that I'm like older and I'm working with people who are civilized, you know. You can't do that. You can't like raise your voice every time you want something. You can't be all hostile.
1: Oh, I do. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also like like
3: a six foot one brown man. So you I, I really can't. You are six be. foot one,
1: right. So but so you are the epitome of masculinity, basically. <laughs> what you're saying.
3: No. No. I'm saying No,
1: you are though, because also like Mm-hmm. Muslim is hyper masculine, like the men are hyper masculine. Yeah. Right? We, it's a d- very different roles. You're not like, mm-hmm. we're all human. I, I yeah. I always, I always compare it to like Puerto that.
3: Ricans, you know, especially like Egyptians, we're like the Puerto Ricans in the Right. Middle you're East.
1: macho. Yeah. Right.
3: We got machismo too. Right. Uh, my dad never once asked for help in his life. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the same, it's like familiar, I think. Uh,
1: all dads are like that. Yeah, so, I don't think it's like
3: a Muslim thing. Right. I think it's more just like a.
1: It's a hyper masculine trait. Yes. That goes across all uh, ethnicities and races, and it's big facts. Yes.
3: So, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's it's like I also have all these ideas of how I'm supposed to be or what lines I'm not supposed to cross. It's just because my history with like law enforcement, with my histories with like fighting in the street, with my histories with going to college and having to not fight otherwise i get expelled all these things all kind of clash and i yeah it's just like hard to mutate that idea and and develop it when you're almost convinced that everything that you've learned up until this point is useless right mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of where i'm coming from and so i was like okay how do i tell that story in a way that feels interactive that people can project their own ideas about masculinity onto and feel like they're, they can also start asking themselves these questions too. And that's where the idea for man up came. Uh, yeah. So like right, right off the top, people are going to be like, oh, well, man up. You're, you're using a phrase that often is used to project like this weird idea of masculinity. You're telling people to man up, you know, people.
1: But it also just means grow up.
3: Exactly. And that's exactly. the way I, I and mean,
1: cause I say it to, to my girls too, mm-hmm. like man up, you know what I yeah. mean? And like, <laughs> and like take accountability. But it's just, right. Yeah, like act like a grown up. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, be be uh, an adult.
3: Yeah. So that's that's where the, the idea for the show came from. And the first episode I did was about fighting, and like fighting on the playground, and how that's like the bare minimum. If you can't fight in the playground, you're gonna get beat up, right? Uh,
1: Not anymore. They just tell on you now. <laughs> <laughs> so they try to beat you up, and then they can't, and then they tell. Yeah, that's like yeah. the new. The, it's the uh, the new, the new wave.
3: I'd get so mad if somebody sniffed on me then. See like that's an episode. It's like snitches have a point.
1: I mean, it's um it's a weird thing. I remember ne- almost never telling on stuff unless mm-hmm. it was really bad. I never like told my parents stuff. Yeah. And uh Why? I don't know, it just wasn't their business. It mm. wasn't they they couldn't help me navigate it. And mm. it wasn't that a whole culture that they have now with kids which is like to tell don't bully this and that and um not that I'm into bullying at all. Mm. Yeah. Um please. but I think that kids need to learn how to like arm themselves in life a little bit better than what we're teaching them which is sort of this like Gestapo like mm-hmm. you make sure and you tell if you'll see, you wouldn't, you know what I mean? But yeah. it is, it's like a weird Gestapo tactic. Yeah. You know, like there are like little um, informants. Are
3: either of you guys teaching your kids how to fight?
1: Yeah. My kid's in jiu-jitsu and Maybe uh, I'll teach my daughter how to fight. Not my son. He doesn't need it. He himself. doesn't need it. He's like, <laughs> he, he's a freestyler. Um, my, kid, my kid's been fighting since he was little, he mm. always is fighting. And they love to fight when they when he's with his boys just to play around. That's how they, they're like mm. little mammals that have to like roll around on the floor together.
3: So they are still doing that.
1: They are. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I let my kid do that. And sometimes like a mother will be like, what's going on here? And I'm like, you know, they're just being kids. Mm. And it's almost shocking to her that i would say that like what happened they're just just being kids they're just kids they're growing you know just chill out um so do you think Mm. there are huge differences between men and women
3: i think there's huge differences in how men and women are socialized yeah
1: how they're socialized, but I'm not asking you how they're socialized. Do you think there are differences between men and mm. women, uh, like
3: biologically?
1: I mean, but yes, biologically. Because do you know yeah. there is this whole thought that that it's not true and gender is just. Oh, this- come on. It's such
3: bullshit. Oh come on. I
1: know. I don't believe it at all. I'm I don't not gonna like it
3: give my wife the heavier suitcase and be like, oh well yeah. you're my biological equal. So Oh
1: my no, God. That's... Fucking imagine. No. Imagine I, I would listen,
2: carry anything I ever. No. I got one of each. <laughs> I probably if anything tried to reverse the way that I raised them and mm. There is a huge difference between.
1: But then there's also kids that mentally, are not right, that are that are different. I tried different, so that hard to make it. my
2: daughter Butch, and I tried so hard to make my son like, soft and like and gentle. And it didn't fucking. I, know. I mean, they are they're like cartoons. They're wow. cartoons. He's like he was. He he figured out what guns were before. Like I don't even know where he f- saw them. You know, like mm. my house doesn't have shit like that. We didn't have. We didn't let him see TV with violence. And he's, like, making fucking Play-Doh guns. When yeah. he's it's the lower, A year baby. and a half. <laughs> it's the lower. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> you
1: better
3: watch that kid, man. Uh, does, I, mean, I mean, there's a lot of socially— There's a, a lot of social engineering happening, like, regardless of what parents can can try and Absolutely. Like, condition well, their kids There to. is.
1: I mean, I read this whole report about how they were trying to re-socialize children in this one study— and they gave all the girls like trucks and cars, and they gave all the boys dolls. Right. And the girls would say, "Hey, my name is Trucky. What's your <laughs> name? Well, my name is Wheelie. What's up?" Yeah. And then the boys were taking the dolls and like smashing their heads together. And like, now, there's, they... some,
2: there's some shit in here. And you know what it shows in this that I remember seeing on the playground: little boys cry a hell of a fucking lot more than little they girls. They fucking mm. cry every. My second. daughter was so much tougher than her. Peers when she was like two and no, three. No, boys cool. are.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. As gangster,
2: and but, this, is, this is proven in this.
1: Video. But then it's sort of taught. They are learned to not do like right. that is and wrong. They shut and, it off. and right, right, they shut it off. But right. yes, I agree. They're very quick to mm-hmm. emotionality, yeah. and where girls are more like in their head. They're more heady.
3: They're a little like, s- smarter. Uh,
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Is that? Yeah, I think so.
3: Yeah, I think anybody who disagrees is.
0: Wrong.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think we're different. I think there's a lot of benefit from accepting that and kind of playing to each other's strengths. There's a lot that men can do that women can't, and there's a lot of that women can correct uh, that men can't. That is correct. And so I think the, I think
1: that women's roles in Ameri- uh, our society, mm-hmm. are devalued. Yeah. And then, like, if you're a mother, like, ugh, you don't work, you don't do anything. It's the hardest job in the world. the hardest, hardest. I would rather go to work fucking eight days a fucking week. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The weekends are hell for me on Monday. I can't wait to, like, get my kid to school. It is hard to be a parent. Well, forget mother, but a parent in general. But, um... Yes, I think it's the way we view certain gender roles. Mm-hmm. And
3: like value work. And value. It's like if you bring in money, then that's like worth something. But if you're raising kids, that's just like that's the bare minimum, right? That's what you should be doing. It's like, well.
1: And how if you don't have means, how can you do it? It's just it's all fucked up. Yeah. I, do, uh, I don't know where it changed and the mother became so unimportant and mm-hmm. not revered and uh that's a beautiful thing about your religion is that the mother is like sort of yeah. at the top of the food they chain. They run shit. And shit.
3: They run shit. Um yeah, no it's it's no question. Like my mom even though she had to work, she only did so that she so that my dad can afford to send us to those right, schools. Right. But I talked to her about it, and she's like, "Yo, if if I could, I would have just stayed with home with you guys and raised you." It's like one of her biggest regrets. It was like not staying home and
1: just being being tortured, tortured by like four children.
3: But I, I think it's like a good example because here's someone who worked and raised us, but still felt like she wished she could have just focused on the other job of just like raising us. Right. Which is like, yeah, you know, it's true. So I mean the thing about Islam is that like it's the gender roles are prescribed. You know, they they call women Rabbil Bit. It's like the lord of the house. And that the men's jobs is to supply the means so that the women can lord over the house, right? Uh, so I, I think it's sort of like, like you could think about it in two different ways. It's that the, the woman is wholly dependent on what the man brings home mm-hmm. and that she's bound and maybe imprisoned and all these things. It
1: feels that way. Yeah. It feels like that Like in, even with my, mo- like my own family. like mm-hmm. My mother had to stay home and like do all this stuff and mm-hmm. she like resented my sister and I because of it.
3: Yeah. But like the way that I choose to think about it is, well, I have this responsibility to the house and so it, I have to go out and make money, and I have to be trying to make as much money as possible so I can bring it back, so that my wife could do the real work. Well, like I don't I, give a shit I about making the, somebody the, else rich. There was a you
1: focus know? on the family that is not the same,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it's the what's happening is the breakdown of the family. It's the I culture, mm-hmm. the me culture. I want to be happy. I need to be happy. Yeah. Where. In the old days, it was like, is this for the benefit of the family? Right. And the fact that you know, uh, no offense, Brad, but only white people do this. Like, you know, mm. I made my own fam, my my own family. I'm having friendsgiving. <laughs> like, who the fuck? Could, who could say that? Like, I'll, I'll, I can't be there this year. I'm going to friendsgiving. Oh,
0: my mother would poop kill poop. me. Like, who yeah. would say
1: that? Like, but it's <laughs> it's the 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 family as foundation is is sort of unearthing the culture yeah. and and um leading us down a a path of uh you know very uh unaware people that like just really are like unaware of their own yeah, responsibility. It's like and,
3: I I understand we live in a pluralistic society. So if you are a woman who doesn't want kids and wants to work and work like at the the hot shot lawyer job, more power to you. But do I think we're doing enough to 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 appreciate so so called women's work? No. So I think it's like we it's, we have to find a way to li- do both.
1: It's literally embarrassing. Mm. Like. Women, like, if I go to a kid's birthday party mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of, you know, moms that I don't know and, you know, you're like, hey, what do you do? Yeah. And they literally recoil and look at the floor and they're like, I you know, I I don't work. Like, that, the, the that's idea, dope. <laughs> you know what I mean? The idea yeah. that they're not like, I'm a full yeah, time mom work. and like, this is what I do and yeah. blah, 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 blah. Um it's so devalued that that's why you know there are sort of all these problems within the culture. Yeah. Um and you know young women really wanting to like not be viewed at, you know, I um I saw this meme and it said like, you know, you're not just a mom, you know, here's to you and all the things you do or mm-hmm. something. And it was being, like, facetious of, like, oh, you fucking lame-ass yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah, it was patronizing, rude mom. But, like, Ugh. if they only knew yeah. how hard it really yeah. is. Men you can't know? be
3: moms, you know? Uh, like, they could there could be stay-at-home dads, but you can't ever be a mom. Right. You know? It's, it's, it's different. different. It
1: is different. It's different. You see it, right? A difference. And kids, they need both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're lucky if they have both and, you yeah, know, and yes. they can make, you can make do without, but I think that the the balance, the beautiful the balance. The balance. Right. Yeah.
3: And. And like respecting people who want to like stay home and be with their kids. Like that's, that's work. Like even like the idea of like stay at home, dad, it's like, oh, you're not working, you're being lazy. It's, it's like, hot. no, it's
1: you're. Hot. I like it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's just, you, you taking on a different role in a role that desperately needs to be fulfilled to perfection so it's it's, it's got to be respected like the whole idea of housework is work you know what I mean
1: I mean it's the worst work ever yeah yeah your pa- oh he's pointing at his uh, mm. uh, quarter past a freckle or something <laughs> there <laughs> there. <laughs> um, mm, where mm. can we find out and catch up with all the stuff you're doing I want to listen to Man Up like every second I can't wait
3: I want to listen to Gold Mines like every second okay
1: so let's quit our jobs
3: for real <laughs> uh you can go to ema.com so it's spelled dot .com i i got the url when i was like 7th grade
1: that's what's up
3: cuz i was like i'm nobody else is going to beat me to this uh and you can go to slate.com usually writing articles i just put one out about how to survive christmas
1: so how are how do you care about christmas at all
3: i i i kind of like christmas i think christmas is cool do
1: you um do you do anything Christmassy?
3: No. I, li- I like Christmas because it's time off. And right, it gives us all the reasons off, right, to bring right. everybody, together. Right,
1: everything's slowed and, down. And I like
3: how cheesy people get Are But you're not purpose. going
1: to like uh, someone's house for Christmas and eating?
3: No. I'm going to my mom's house and so we're going to have fish. And we're going to talk about on. not celebrating Christmas.
1: Right. <laughs>
3: you know what I mean? So the so way we are, but it's like... I it's mean, not.
1: I grew up like that too, where I never celebrated Christmas. And then I married outside of my religion. And mm-hmm. Christmas is so... Ridiculous mm. to my husband and his family. They're ridiculous. so like, they're, yeah, and they they don't even believe in God. They're not like mm. any religion they don't associate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess in theory, they'd be Protestant. They're English or whatever. It's like
3: Comic Con. They like hanging the stuff. They, they like, like, like hanging
1: up. the stuff and they're like, it's pagan, darling. She's, you know, my uh, husband's family's British. It's pagan. It's a pagan <laughs> thing. Oh, we love its nature. Yeah. And, but the, the, you know consuming and the commercialization mm. is so stupid the sales. and i just said to my husband i was like can we just not do christmas mm. like you and me like can we just give each other like a little gift and not like have to go like crazy so we decided next year well, you know we're only gonna spend a hundred dollars yeah
3: i i did christmas last year i did it with my wife We filmed it we did it for the whole uh who's afraid thing okay and it was cool i mean we got the, we got the tree we cut out we made our own ornaments but at the end, I mean, after the whole is thing. Fun.
1: It's fun, right? Like, it's like, you, you know. Yeah, but
3: like overrated.
1: Overrated. I right? feel like we
3: spent our whole childhood being like, why can't we do what other kids are doing? I want presents. I want this. I want that. But like, when we finally did it, we were like,
1: eh. And what about you? You
3: love Christmas.
1: My wife loves Christmas. You don't love Christmas, Brad? I gotta love
2: Christmas. Yeah? Christmas is for children. Christmas mm. is for As children. was said in a perfect accent by Sean Connery. Mm. Yes. New Year's is for adults, Christmas is for children. All right. That's what Sean Connery said, mm. and I'm going to stick with him. That kind of makes sense. All right.
1: Because <laughs> I think the whole thing is so stupid, and I don't understand it. we just came to it too been,
3: late.
2: It's been yeah. it's been blown out of proportion. It's a, it's It has nothing to do with... it With
1: it, Christ! Put it, it, mm. it, you know, the should, Christ in should, Christmas, it, Brad! Should be a family,
2: it should be a family thing like Thanksgiving, but it's really just about you know buying Shopping. stuff. Right. Yeah.
1: Mm. right, 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 right. Uh, making the economy, you know. So
3: if you buy stuff during Christmas time, you're participating in Christmas? Yeah. Shit, I've been doing Christmas since I was a kid then.
2: I mean, <laughs> it's funny that, you know, they, that we had a family holiday after Christmas became so commercialized. We had Thanksgiving, but they fucking took that. Mm. Right. And made it into Black Friday. They couldn't, they couldn't keep their hands off it. We need a new one.
1: We, we well Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is oh, coming up. Don't that was worry. Was invented by Hallmark. I mean, they all. It's like they all are just like ways to pressure you to spend yeah. money. Like it's just so stupid.
3: What was the Seinfeld one? The one with the staff?
1: I don't know. What was it?
3: You don't know about that episode where he has like the the, the staff made of beer cans and he oh, was like, Festivus. Just, oh, "Festivus, Festivus
1: for the rest of us." Right? Okay, so next year the three of us we Festivus. will have a Festivus. We got to bring that back. We will have First a
2: festive Shout yeah, out yeah, George
3: yeah. Costanza. He's from Newark. Uh,
2: nice.
1: Is he from Newark?
3: Yeah, the character
1: wild. or the actor? The
3: actor. What's his name?
1: Um, uh, Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. Shout he's a Newark. Out guy. Newark. Newark.
3: We got a few gems that pe- nobody knows about.
1: New Jersey is uh, is a magical place, mm. and New York wouldn't be as cool without. Just, just don't uh, miss your exit. It's so, New York's so bad now, Jersey's like 20 times cooler. Uh-huh. Isn't that crazy? I think, I lived in Brooklyn
3: for like a little bit and I went back to, I was like, New York's corny now.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It's terrifying.
3: I saw somebody almost get into a fight, but then they ended up apologizing and hugging and I was like, I'm going back to New York.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hypermasculine masculine men at?
3: Yeah, man up. <laughs> I should have shouted that from the window. Man up.
1: Anyway, thank you so, thank you so much, much yeah, for yeah, and and telling us all about um, all your stuff, and uh, we'll all keep it on. I'm out. a
3: huge fan of gold mines. This is the best show on on the radio.
1: Best show on on you on the waves. You heard it here first. It's a fact. Uh, all right. Thank there you for you the go. free coffee. Yeah, anything for anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see you soon, suckas.
3: Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com
1: slash upgrade. Amen. Don't you love him? He's so fucking lovable. You
2: want to like hang out with him, right? I
1: mean... Bye. <laughs> yeah, always want to hang out with him. Yeah, And whenever I can, I, like, want to, like, hire him to, like, do stuff. All right. um, we didn't talk about it, but we worked together on this uh, this crazy mural I did. And uh, these people are trying to get me arrested. And they're, like, calling him and trying to get him to sort of, like, snitch on me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It was this whole thing. But Eamon's Eamon's the man, and he got, you know
2: he he didn't squeal.
1: He, he, he didn't he break would down. Never squeal. <laughs> Eamon's fucking crew for life, for real. Like, um, but he's just a- anything he's doing, I'm like totally interested in, as as everyone should be.
2: Yeah, it seems good. This uh, this show.
1: So to find out more about Eamon, there's a there's a lot, a lot. There is another Ayman Ismail, but they have one N in their name. He has two Ns. A-Y-M-A-N-N-I-S-M-A-I-L dot com. Ayman Ismail on Instagram. And he has so much stuff on the Internet. Watch all of his, um, his Slate videos. Yeah, I
2: went and looked at some of those Slate videos after. It's good.
1: Yeah, and very like sensitive. Yeah. It's very sensitive to both sides of the coin, right. which I really like appreciate. You know, it's not heavy handed. It's like you know,
2: it's a good. He's good at what he does. He's good sure. at
1: what he does, as we all should should be. Shout out to the uh, the AV club in high school. <laughs> right, look <laughs> it up. Um, we will see you, my darlings, very soon. Find out more. About gold mines podcast on acast dot com or oh, yeah. all all the podcatchers any podcatcher any podcast except gold for Stitcher mines. we're not on Stitcher oh interesting uh, yeah Didn't somebody uh, uh, f- fuck uh, them f- yeah how dare how <laughs> fucking dare you not host our podcast anyway whatever you'll be getting an email later today
2: and uh, props to Bubbles and music that this is about to start to
1: Bubbles Bubbles just played a show
2: really how did I miss that. Was it over the holidays?
1: It was... Where? Yeah, I think it was over the holidays. Union Pool. Oh, really? I meant to, like, call you. I saw him you. there, like, a year ago. I'm telling you, if you don't you catch it... You should have it, called me. I know, if you don't catch I couldn't go. Oh, I forgot why. why. I forgot me. why. I, saw, I mean, he lives right I there. I mean, man. how dare he? It must have been, he you know... Bubbles is two people, but Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, dare <laughs> <them>. <laughs> how dare... They the them. How dare them. The one that we really care Th- about. Yeah. Um <laughs> And... Yeah! Shout out to Bubbles SoundWag. I see you on Instagram, like posting. Yep, there's some things happening. At least what once a week.
2: Going off track is <laughs> about to relaunch. So Ooh, going off track. I don't know when, that we're gonna. How much do cross you have a pollination? Date? Do not have a date yet, but uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we so will. So by the time this live. episode comes out, nah, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe.
1: Brad is all podcast all the time. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, of course, you can find me at Claw Money, you know, everywhere, and at Claw and Co., which is, um, in in my opinion, more funny than my Instagram. But, you know, (laughs) what do I know? It's a great site. What do I know? Um, We'll see you guys in two weeks.